I'm not going to try doing a Jodon Baker impression. Is that okay? <laughs> do you have the diamond? Do you have the diamond? Hello? <laughs> Maureen, do you have the diamond? Where's the diamond? Did you get it? <laughs> now I'm going to shoot your satellite. <laughs> Welcome to School of Movies. <laughs> Congo? Activate the remote. In the race for the world's most advanced communications technology, a shocking discovery has been made. What was that? Lock your remote. Give me a thermal reading result to 6-6. It will take two young scientists into the heart of the African jungle. Where a secret hidden for 2,000 years holds the key to the future. This is Karen Ross. 81452 Houston, do you read? You used to work for the CIA, and now you're travel cool. Some will come to it for science. This is a big deal, Charles. This is a big find. Some for fortune. A diamond mine of incredible bounty. And some to return home. She doesn't really belong anywhere, does she? No, she belongs here. Together, they will search. My boss, he thought I wasn't going to make it. He sent another expedition. Drawn deep into a mystery. Camp destroyed, people dead, a gray gorilla. No such thing as a gray gorilla. I saw one. And the more they discover... Same hieroglyphics over and over. The greater the danger. What do they say? We are watching you. See, they're smart. They're too damn smart. Watch out! Go! We're getting out of here. What about them? Put them on the endangered species list. From the best-selling novel by the author of Jurassic Park. The myth of the killer ape is true. Congo, where you are the endangered species. This is the third of our commissioned movies, this time a collaboration between Nick, a.k.a. N. Scott G., and our Tim Curry-loving buddy Maureen Foley, who played Harau and Tiger's Eye and Sarah in Arlington. Maureen is joining us here because we wanted to hear what she thought of this movie she had never seen before today. Hello, Maureen. Hello. We're going to need that story in a second. Uh Also... Also with me in the Congo line are my wife and co-host Sharon Shaw, who has never met an ape she couldn't kill with a laser. Good evening. (laughs) Perennial creature feature expert, the distinctly simian Mr. Neil Taylor. Ook. And the always born ready Mr. Brendan Agnew. Stop eating my sesame cake. (laughs) (laughs) Immediately spits out what of... Disgusting. And we're going to try not to sound like We Hate Movies, although We Hate Movies did do Congo as one of the first films they ever covered. Uh, that, that was back in the early days, though, and they, had, they, they, they weren't as ace as they are now, so maybe we can cover some new ground. And it's also worth saying that Congo is available to view in HD on both USA and UK Netflix, but you better watch it quick because you never know when it'll be gone in the morning, just like old Jack Burton. You might also want to listen to this show first because before you see the monkey business because just like Zardoz, our perspective on it might give you some new perspective on a weird and uncomfortable viewing experience otherwise. A lot of people are very bored by this. A lot of people are annoyed by this film, but we might give you things to laugh about. Here's hoping. Okay, let me, let me just 
start off with my preamble and then we'll launch into the film proper. Picture the scene. It's 1995. A little movie called Jurassic Park just stormed the movie theatres two years previously. The writer, Michael Crichton, has had another of his books from 1980 adapted for the screen. It's similarly about scientists being beset by savage creatures in a tropical jungle. The screenplay was adapted by John Patrick Shanley, the guy who won an Academy Award for Moonstruck. Sounded promising so far. Okay, so you don't have $65 million, that Jurassic Park, for the budget, but you do have $50 million. That's almost a Jurassic Park. You don't have Steven Spielberg, maybe the most celebrated director of all time, but you do have Frank Marshall, a buddy of his who executive produced many of Spielberg's best films. And Frank Marshall did also direct Arachnophobia and Alive. You also have cinematographer Alain Deveux, the DP behind E.T., The Colour Purple and The Empire and Empire of the Sun. You also have editor Anne V. Coates, who worked on The Elephant Man, Lawrence of Goddamn Arabia, and Masters of the Universe. Composer Jerry Goldsmith, one of the most celebrated of all time. The man behind Alien, Poltergeist, and the Star Trek Next Generation theme. And then there's the cast, which includes super professional Laura Linney, lovable Ghostbuster Ernie Hudson, endlessly entertaining scenery-chewing ham Tim Curry, screaming buffoon Joe Don Baker, Sir briefly appearing in this film Joe Pantoliano, and some guy named Dylan Walsh playing the guy James Spader should have played. You know, the animal lover who really loves his gorilla. A petulant alcoholic named Amy who speaks with a Stephen Hawking device on her arm. Oh, and Bruce the Chin Campbell has a cameo at the beginning, but that's all you'll use him for. You guys starting to see why this went wrong? Okay, so this is the plot such as it is. There are diamonds in Africa that might power high-tech lasers or something. Bruce Campbell is there in the Forbidden Temple retrieving them and on a Skype conversation with billionaire tyrant Joe Don Baker and Bruce's fiancée Laura Linney back in America. Then a radioactive ape kills him. Laura Linney goes in to rescue the already dead man and enlists the aid of a scientist, another scientist, an explorer, a shifty Romanian man, a shifty Italian man and a gorilla that can talk through a machine. There's also a dozen other guys who don't have names aside from ape fodder. They go into the jungle, they find aggressive apes and diamonds and dead Bruce Campbell. Then they shoot the apes with lasers until a volcano erupts. Then they go home in a hot air balloon. The end. That is literally what happens in this movie. It's also worth noting that what with our Planet of the Apes shows, our upcoming Disney's Tarzan and King Kong shows, we may well soon have covered every single ape movie of note. And also Congo. So let's <laughs> let's go into detail here and take everyone on a journey down the Congo. First off, Maureen, why mm-hmm. Congo? You, I mean, you chose this with Nick, aka N. Scott G. You had to, I mean, I assume he just sort of gave you a list and you went, yeah, that one. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Or did you say um, anything with Tim Curry in it? No, I went through the list he gave me and looked at all the trailers, ah. and this one actually caught my eye because Tim Curry. And also Bruce Campbell, and also like just oh, it's such apes a promise, and lasers and what? <laughs> and it seemed absurd enough to be fun. So I thought, what the heck? This this might be entertaining. This also came at a very uh, difficult time for me this week when my Xbox One just stopped working. It stopped receiving uh, Wi-Fi signal, and I, I uh, re- factory reset it so that I could maybe like you know, you know turning it off and on again didn't help. Leaving it off overnight didn't help. I factory reset it and it just 
it would not even restart again. It was just stuck on the whole, like, cannot find network screen, so you can't even start your Xbox and apply your ID to it. So it was basically a brick. And uh, I was like, right, I'm going to need to get a new Xbox One, and for that I'm going to need to rustle together the funds for this because I hadn't prepared for it. So let's do some commission shows. So anyone who wants to commission a show, say now. And Maureen and Mr. F jumped in at the chance to commission the, the, the next show, and, and thank you guys so, so much. And I gave you the opportunity when my Xbox One started working this morning after I left the router off all night and the Xbox One in the middle of the floor off and unplugged and completely, you know, just if your Xbox One ever does what I just said, just do that. Unplug everything and just leave it for, 20, for as long as you possibly can. It started working this morning. I was like, do you want me to carry on with the monkey thing? And you guys were like, yeah. So... <laughs> So we're doing the monkey. monkey. Why, why would we not? <laughs> um, We've already come this far. We but, have to take it all the way. But yeah, it wasn't just you. There's uh, another fellow uh, also commissioned another uh, movie, and we, we gave him a twofer. So uh, there's uh, dinosaurs... A dinosaur story. No, we're back a dinosaur story, which we've never seen coming. Uh, I think we'll do that next week. And uh, that's in a double bill with a film we have seen and know is of some quality and is somewhat beloved to some of you, uh, Jumanji. So it's the, this is like, it's a very 90s, like creature feature, (laughs) like triple bill here in terms of um, commission shows. Like, that's why someone volunteered for this before even being asked. Yeah, I mean, there didn't even have to be the John Carpenter collection, uh, connection for you to... And, and it's like, th- oh, Alex is doing Congo. Hey, can I do? Can I get in on this? I noticed that all three <laughs> movies are basically following on the coattails of Jurassic Park as well. Like, because the dinosaur thing is like, hey, kids love dinosaurs now more than ever. You know, like, when did Theodore Rex come out? Oh, I've seen that. Oh, and, and Denver the Last Dinosaur and Disney's Dinosaurs. It's all like very early nineties, like. Oh, Land Before Time, cringe-inducing. And, like, it wasn't all just kicked off by Jurassic Park. It was a very dino-y... Oh, Super Mario Brothers film. They're sort of like, it's all about the dinosaurs. Is it? (laughs) Well, there's also Adventures in Dinosaur City, which is what would happen if you were like, well, what if the Ninja Turtles, Mm. but dinosaurs instead? And I think we've discussed this already, (laughs) Neil, when we'd covered Jurassic Park, but there was also Carnosaur. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. I'm terrible. But this was more of a kind of like from the rider of Jurassic Park comes. Well, you know what? You, know <laughs> you, you spiel at the start of the show and you're going, you're listening off all these achievements, all these action. You sit there going, oh, we got Congo. What happened? <laughs> hey, what happened? <laughs> it's like, hey, Bruce Campbell's in this movie and goodbye, Bruce Campbell. Okay, I'm now 10 minutes later. Yes, Tim Curry. What the hell accent is that? I don't know. <laughs> Did they also kill the editor after the first 10 minutes? <laughs> and also the cinematographer? Because, I mean, Jesus, this thing. It's so cheap looking. Yes. Yeah, it's- it bounces around from really gorgeous vistas to really obviously stage-bound like, oh, yeah. shots that are like, here's some ferns and stuff. This is the jungle, right? Sure, they'll believe it. <laughs> Do you remember? Yeah, go. That really struck me when I know we're going to um, be moving through it very shortly. But when they walk into the the glade, the secret glade for the first time, mm-hmm. it's like they duck under and they go, "Wow, this place really looks like." And I'm just thinking, 
like a butterfly farm. You can almost <laughs> see the ceiling. You know, this is this is clearly polytunnel. People in t-shirts walking past them and gawping. <laughs> Honestly, you remember that bit in uh, Hot Shots Part Two when they're going through the jungle and they're like hacking their way through the brush on the way to the enemy camp, and then they go through someone's back garden and there's a barbecue going on. <laughs> yes. It honestly yes. felt like they shot half of this in Burbank, just on a hillside. So if, if you turned it around and you could see the freeway right behind them, I would not have been surprised. They, it's like they, they had it's like we had the weekend in Africa, so we took as much shots as possible, and everyone mm. inside now. Once we shot a hippo, but they made us put it back. Hungry, hungry hippos, the live action game. We yeah. yeah. All oh. the bits that actually look like Africa are well, first off, they're all distance shots. Mm-hmm. And they look great, mm-hmm. sweeping vistas. But the other thing is, they all look like they've been stolen from the Lion King. Yeah. It literally, as it pans up, it's like, why are there jeeps driving past Pride Rock? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, if they stole it from anything, it's probably Gorillas in the Mist. Yeah, yes. it feels very Gorillas in the Mist. There is a, a specific man. reference to Gorillas in the Mist as well. No, what does it say? The bit later on when um, he says the, um, the, uh, the locals are terrified to be caught on film doing anything nasty to a gorilla. <laughs> Specify. <laughs> and it just, I, I just thought this is because of Gorillas in the Mist, isn't it? The best way of describing it is it's actually more like The Lost World than it is like uh, the original Jurassic Park in terms of like The Lost World is a kind of like Ian Malcolm gets told you've got to go and rescue your girlfriend from this dino island that I sent her to. Uh, only this one, Bruce Campbell's already dead. Like, it's that's such a poor decision on the part of the movie. If it was like, she's got to rescue Bruce Campbell, and at the end she rescues Bruce Campbell, that would have been something. But we know he's dead, so there's no tension. This whole thing is a complete waste of time. And and like the whole, like, well, he was probably killed by a radioactive ape, is why it suddenly turns into aliens. But that not, yes. in, a, not in a good way. Mm. Like, not in a sort of, oh, this is really good and tense, but just in a kind of a, oh, these idiots just bumbled into here with, like, they were horribly <laughs> equipped with, like, lasers. But then... It, it turns into not alien at all because they just carve up those gorillas at the end. They're just it's, shooting them with laser guns. It's like the end of Moonraker. It's so weird because you spend, like, the majority of this film is getting to the place. Mm. You have the opening and you have the ending and then the majority of the film is, we're going there and it's just how we get there. Mm. It's 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 the hop- it's, it's the boring bits of you know, Lord of the Rings before. We're going on a gorilla <laughs> hunt. <laughs> or uh, maybe, maybe the boring bits of King Kong, mm. which feels mm. like, this feels a little bit kind of like um, Skull Island. Because mm. what it really needed was a giant spider. Mm. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, as I recall in the director's cut of the Jackson King Kong, when they're on the river, a friggin' Triceratops attacks them in exactly the same way as the hippo attacks them in this. Only, I think the Triceratops probably gores somebody on his enormous, like, horn. Because, I mean, that's what you want, really. When a monster attacks, you want a big, gruesome death. At least, at least the Lost World had that. I don't think... Yeah, and hippos are dicks. Like, hippos are legitimately scary. That's one of the more realistic parts of this film, is (laughs) is hippos will just F you up. And, like, the the guy, like, Oh, they are. And the guy, like, just limps away from the boat and, you know, Kahag is like, no, I'll stitch him up. He'll be fine. It's just a scratch. It's like, what? Wasn't he? It's just a flesh wound. They have amazing medical on this trip, by the way, because when when they they go down with a gorilla and apparently she gets quite bitey and Ernie Hudson mentions that and they're like, what? This gorilla was biting you and you're fine? (laughs) 
Again, we hate movies mentioned that, but it's noteworthy. Well, that's true. And she was drugged at the time. Yeah, Andy Hudson was like, tis but a scratch in his weird accent. What what baffles me, actually, going back to the beginning, in terms of the the setup for this, um, is that there are way too many threads involved in why Laura Linney ends up having to get sent out on this trip, right? Because Get my diamonds back for me. But this is the thing. You've got this whole thing about, um, you know, Bruce Campbell's out there and something's bad's happened to him. Also... Um, you know, Joe Don Baker's got diamonds out there that he wants bringing back. But also, Bruce Campbell is Joe Don Baker's son. But also, but also Bruce Campbell is Laura Linney's ex-fiance. But also, she's she wants to um to prove. No, hang on, other way around. She wants Joe Don Baker to prove that he actually cares about Bruce Campbell, his which son. he patently doesn't. He only cares about the diamonds. And his lasers. But also the whole thing has to be done because it ties in with this whole gorilla needing to go back home again. But also the gorilla talks and nobody seems to want to listen to anything she says. And there's a dozen characters in here who... We haven't said a single name because no one's name registers. Bruce Campbell's name is Charlie. I know that much. You know what? I'm not going to use a single name in this. For for a rare treat for you folks, I'm not calling anyone by their name because they couldn't be bothered. Actors only. Actors only. And that, um, that means I'm going to have to look up. Oh, uh, I was going to say, look up Delroy Lindo's name. It's Delroy Lindo. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to look up the name of the guy who plays the scientist who's in charge of the gorilla, because I have no oh, idea oh, who that was. was. It. Yeah, I, I said it. Uh, the, the guy who should have been James. Am I wrong? Like James Spader in Stargate. There's a problem with that. Yeah. If it's James Spader, no one is going to believe he doesn't he's fuck not that nutting the gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yeah, that's uh, yeah. yeah. At that point, once once they they say husband and wife, you're like, oh yeah, no, obviously they make her. that joke twice. Well, that all slots into place. <laughs> yeah. But am I wrong though? There are way too many reasons for this trip to have to happen. They ju- and they make no attempt to really thread any of them together. It's just. You know, it, it sh- honestly, it should be like, I'm not in this for your diamonds and I'm not in this for you, sir. I'm going to go get my fiancé back. Yeah, that should that be her through be line. Enough. That honestly would be enough. That's the well, thing. Like, aren't they like, one good reason. The time she calls him, like, she calls him his former, her former fiancé. Yeah, like, yeah, aren't no, they, they broken they up? have split up. Well, she's not broken up when she finds these half-chewed at the end. Yeah. <laughs> like, we don't even see Bruce Campbell because they couldn't afford to keep get Bruce Campbell back for that one day of filming. <laughs> they just... <laughs> It's a half-chewed arm. Yeah. And she's just like, oh, there's Bruce Campbell. I guess that ties that one up. Right, moving on. Even Tim Curry has two reasons to go. There's that he's after the diamonds and also he seems to be fascinated what by this What a build-up with Tim Curry. Like, the whole way through, you're like, he's a Machiavellian yeah. villain. He's waiting to do one huge thing. And then at the end, he's like, oh, my God, I'm getting punked by an ape. And he no, completely gets battered. He's just a bit crap. Okay, so let's, for people who haven't seen this film, <laughs> we open on the Great Plains of Africa. And there's a bunch of giraffes sort of tottering around in the middle ground going, we didn't agree to be in this shot, but then they, they get roped into it anyway. Yeah, they made us sign the waiver. Hmm. And there's a bunch of jeeps sort of driving around, and then it cuts to Bruce Campbell, and he's sort of going, ah, is it not like, he doesn't hold up a diamond to the Skype call? And when I say Skype, I mean, like, imagine a really blocky, grey, 90s computer screen in which, like, a tiny window of it is the actual video bit. 
I would like swear, the by the way, that yeah. video camera that they're using is the one that Matt Damon uses in The, in Martian, the Martian to set up the pictures nice. to try and communicate with um, with Earth. So uh, Bruce Campbell like picks up the uh, the this blue fluid and goes, I'm going to have to science the shit out of this. <laughs> this is laser juice or something. Like, he just said, oh, we, steroids. What is it? Like he, like he, they mined it's blue it. Blue diamond alluvia. I guess oh, it's course. a chemical, a chemical mixture that they got from the the diamond dust or juice or, or blue something. diamond effluvia. Too disgusting. Effluvia. Mm, too floaty. Right, I right. <laughs> this is what I don't get though, because he says something about it's not as strong as it could be because it's not the actual diamond. Okay. So where the hell did you get it from? That does not like look like a substance that appears in nature. You did something to something else to get that fluid. Why would you do that if it's not as strong as just using the diamond on its own? That that makes absolutely no sense. That's like turning bricks into brick dust to build a house with. <laughs> well, okay, what, well, what, what happened, obviously, is that the diamond mines were next to water, and so the diamond dust got in the water, and then they got the diamond dust from the water, and he made the, he made the diamond juice out of the diamond dust. And he made a bunch of diamond dust. Actual diamonds, yeah. You know, Minecraft could never function on this basis. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, like, what is Joe John Baker's plan? Because, like, Bruce Campbell's holding up the blue juice, and he's saying, I've got your blue juice for you, sir. Is it for a good laser, or is it for a good satellite, or a good satellite with a good laser? Is he making the golden eye? I was just going to say, there's only one reason I can think of that your satellites would need lasers, and that is that you intend to blow somebody up with it. He's making the golden eye. I was expecting he's just got someone tied up and he wants a really good laser so he can go, No, Mr. Bond! I I expect you to die! die. (laughs) Joe John Baker has the spurious honour of both playing a Bond villain in, I think, The Living Daylights, and also Jack Wade in two of the Brosnan films, where he was his, like, helper monkey. Like, he, he seems kind of a bit like a crap Bond villain himself. But, like, the moment the Skype call goes wrong and gets cut off... He starts smashing up the booth that they're in with a yeah. golf club. And Laura How Liddy's is like, this hey, man stop running it. a company? Why have his employees not all quit? Because he has such bad anger management he's issues. He's a maniac. And, and he's locked them in. Like, yeah, he like, won't let them out. There's like, like a coded locked door. She's like, well, i got to get out of here. He's like, no, I've changed the code. I need my diamonds. And... Um, <laughs> And then she basically goes, look, I'll go to Africa, I'll get my ex-fiancé back, I'll get your damn diamonds, and I'll find the egg of Mantumbi. And uh, <laughs> it's it's basically a very Crichton-y way of starting up the Skull Island, you know, journey into adventure. Like, like, Okay, now we come to the point where we ask Neil, what's the book like? Because, like, uh, th- like I said, this reminds me of The Lost World in that there's a lot of science-y discussion that basically all leads to, now we're going on an adventure. And it's like, you know, it's... it's Crichton always seemed to me to be a man who was overthinking the intrepid. You just summed up every other Michael Crichton book. <laughs> I, have, I have read quite a lot of Michael Crichton. I know. Probably because of... Well, no, no probably about it. Because of Jurassic Park. Yeah, it's good a reason, isn't um, Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But he wrote this years before Jurassic Park, didn't he? This is 80, and Jurassic Park was actually not too long before the film came out. It was 10 years again before Jurassic Park. He also wrote yeah. Sphere, Disclosure, and, and Timeline, and a lot of stuff, and it's... With the Night Arrows. 
Do you know how Stephen King often says there was a period of time in his life where he just wrote so many books he can't actually remember what he wrote because yes. they were pretty much the same story? Mm-hmm. That's pretty much can be applicable to Michael Crichton a lot of the time because a lot of them uh, have a similar structure and it's usually science gone wrong or, or something along those lines. So you've got Jurassic Park where science goes wrong, you've got Prey where things go, science goes wrong, kind of like timeline. All right, maybe science does go wrong, but, you know, it's what would happen if real people traveled in time and it's really really fucking boring <laughs> he also loves his serious science man with beard characters because yes. in the book in the book um not alan grant uh um who's like i can't remember the character's name dylan walsh um he's basically how <laughs> he alan really grant is not alan book. grant yeah but he's he's basically the same guy as alan grant in Crichton's book right down to you know he he loves his serious sciencey mans with beards Mm-hmm. And and they end up having to do action man things because they are men with beards, so they can do science and action. I can't remember any actiony things he actually does. I mean, aside from jumping out of a moving plane, holding onto a gorilla as he parachuted down, which is a feat of strength most even Steve Rogers couldn't muster. Well, he does shoot a couple gorillas and then he runs away from some lava. So I mean, it's it's a little bit of, of, of but. <laughs> He cowered, like a coward, he he cowers behind a high-powered futuristic tech laser, shoots the most primitive form of man imaginable, and runs away from lava. Pretty much. We got Indiana fucking Jones here. Uh, But what's what's kind of weird is that in the in the book, okay, so you know how they talk about the uh, the tribes that are eating people in the Congo, and then you just never see them, yeah, even that, though that's apparently a big deal. That sounded a um, bit racist when they mentioned it. Oh, well, don't worry. Michael Crichton makes sure that there's a whole bunch of cannibals that they have to shoot with machine guns in the book, just in case you're worried about him not being racist. <sighs> Great. <laughs> it, yeah, it's kind of... This it was all- like, it should have been wrote in the... Or 30s, maybe. This all ties in with um, the uh, the recent Tarzan film that came out. The, the, the really boring one directed by David Yates. I, I, it was playing at the cinema, and I could literally see it for free on my uh, Cineworld card. And just, like, I love the Disney Tarzan so much, I kind of didn't want to taint it by watching a lame version. <laughs> Not after I tainted it when I, once I found out what that book is actually about. What is that book about? Eugenics. Ooh. Mm. Like just Tarzan in general, or like a yes. Tarzan book? Ta- Tarzan, oh. the original, is written by a guy who was very much in favour of eugenics. Edgar Rice Burroughs. Yes. Yeah, he also wrote John Carter, didn't he? Uh, oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a bit racist, okay. Okay. A little but, bit racist. Um, like Michael Crichton was basically writing the 1980s version of an Edgar Rice Burroughs kind of like also Doc Savage, Man of Bronze type sort of like. Um, uh, Saturday morning serial, like the sort of stuff that Spielberg could do, you know, it and make Spielberg. work three out of four times, you know. <laughs> fridge. Yeah, Fridge. Um, we still haven't done those movies yet, have we? How come we're doing Congo before Raiders of the Goddamn Lost Ark? Because you were paid, sir. Because yeah. you were paid. That's a good, <laughs> because the good check reason. cleared. That's <laughs> <laughs> Folks, I mean, okay, folks, you don't pay me a penny to do Raiders. I am doing Raiders for free. It's actually rather appropriate that you bring up Tarzan, because if you've ever seen any of the Johnny Weissmuller 1930s Tarzan movies, where there's basically just a very thin excuse to 
take some white guys mm-hmm. with their with their black guy helpers to to Africa. Most of them get killed by cannibals or lions, and then Tarzan fights some monsters. That's more or less what what this movie kind of feels mm. like, except the, no Tarzan. Yeah, no Tarzan. It's just now got a, just a, a talking monkey instead. There's no badass in this film. Now you just make one Tarzan versus Predator. Ernie uh, yeah. Hudson is probably about as close as you get to, to uh, yeah, the, no. the badass. Okay, I, 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 the I will vouch that Ernie Hudson is the closest you're going to get, but there's no... But there's no, You know how Chris Pratt's sweat in Jurassic World would get every woman pregnant? Um, <laughs> th- that is That's a badass. Sean Connery's sweat in Zardoz. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking yeah. like masculinity overdrive like you know but like uh, also Chris Pratt in uh, um, Jurassic World he just loves animals and you know he, he trains those uh, velociraptors as Bob Chipman said like a, like a pit bull trainer would like someone like everyone else has given up on the raptors but he just he sticks with it because he's got a sensitive side to him as well he's just the perfect man mm. There ain't no one like that in this. Actually, no, that's that's one of the things that I appreciate about this. That there, there is no overly um, ridiculously masculine idiot um, messing everything up. But no, that's that shouldn't. So there's have, no Jack Burton then. Yeah, you sh- you need to have like a Jack Burton or even better like a Zap Brannigan who then gets eaten by apes. And you had the perfect actor, Bruce Campbell, could have been that guy the whole way through the film, and like. He gets to the end and it's like, right, now he's finally going to kick some ass after all, all that bravado. And he gets pounded to death by apes. Well, you do you do kind of get the impression that that is the, the sort of character that he was. I mean, ultimately, he's introduced roaring and setting fire to the jungle. Yep. White colonialism <laughs> writ large. So it's large. like, hmm, <laughs> okay. So it's not really... He even has the indie hat. Like, it's almost like they're yes. setting you up for a fake out. He wears the indie hat. He's mm. got the Bruce Campbell chin. And you're like, oh, I guess this guy's the hero. Oh, Fred, no, he just got killed. Yeah. My old I man's an indie. Think... He wears an indie hat. <laughs> Actually, I thought it was the Briscoe County Junior hat, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think that they um, they kind of tip the hand in terms of Bruce Campbell definitely being dead. Way too early. Oh, yeah. He, he goes down chewed hand. like a sack of bricks just too soon. Yeah. Mere sniff of the barmaid's ape. Mm. Um, on the other hand, there are like little nods in this to make it less racist, question mark? Like when, when they, They're trying like, to There's those it. two They're tribesmen really like hard. staring at them out of the jungle and, and they turn around and only Hudson is like, hey. And they're like, hey, what's up? And then he, he sort of chats with them, and, and you know, but in their language, and they say, "You oh, know, we we thought you'd be holding packs." And he's like, "No, I'm the leader." Uh, and that's kind of like, see, we have we have what a black man as leader. But it's not just that they have one token guy who they've given a position of power. Pretty much everyone calling the shots in this film is black, apart from Joe Don Baker, or a chick, because Laura Linney's yeah. character is yeah. okay. She's not the Tarzan, but she's pretty badass. I would watch an entire uh-huh. movie. About Laura Linney's character being Banff in the CIA or shooting lasers in the jungle or bribing people just because. I, I mean, love she's that. Pretty- if they'd like, if they'd developed her character and had made her like comedically, like bitterly gallows humor cold, and like had her sort of march forwards while the camera moves forwards and everyone's following, her, and she's like, right, let's get this movable feast on the road. That would have been yeah. great. Mm, yeah, I, I think that. The, but they don't give her anything to say. Well, this is this is the problem because so much of it is kind of done as 
uh, exposition of backstory. You know, they, they reference the fact that um, that she used to be uh, engaged to Bruce Campbell. Honestly, the, the writing at this point is appalling. If you can she call says, it writing. They're, they're doing this thing where um, she's looking at the camera. So she's got her back to, to uh, Joe Don Baker and he's looking at the back of her head and they're talking about Bruce Campbell and he says, I know you had feelings for him. And her response is, I know, I almost married him for Christ's sake. And it's like, could this exposition get any more obvious? <laughs> And As he you died know, today. As you know, he used to be engaged to me, and he was leapt on by a giant gorilla. Like, um, and then her, her this this reference to her use. You know, she used to be in the CIA. We don't really see any evidence of this. It's just it's a throwaway conversation. Mm. And actually, yeah, you know what? Your badass character. If they'd made that Laura Linney, yeah. if she'd been doing all of the the overly masculine, ridiculous stuff, and like had all Jack the- Burton, that would have been hilarious. Yeah. And had all the white guy scientists. And like, especially if they'd had Bruce Campbell as a guy who, like, who was playing the Jack Burton, who thought he was the hero and yeah. wasn't. We've just fixed Congo for you guys. Absolutely. Bruce Campbell thinks he's the hero. Laura Linney, his ex-fiance, has to come out to rescue him. But no, no, because like, if, if like, they have to go and rescue someone else, and Bruce Campbell's there like, I'm going along for the ride and blah, 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 because I've got to make sure that you stay alive. And basically, she's the professional who's actually been exploring. And he's the blowhard. But, you know, that that would be making it a comedy. And here's the thing, folks. This film is funny, but it's not a comedy. It, it's it's trying to be exciting. There's, do you remember that moment when the scientist gets a leech on his dick? <laughs> and he, he brings it over to um, uh, uh, Ernie. And Ernie's just sitting there smoking a stogie, as he is wont to do. And he's like, help me with it. And Ernie's just like, ugh. It's your leech, and it gives like I, I, I mean, I'm already imagining it as funnier than it actually was. Just the sort of the length of time of uh, and the camera angles, and just Ernie going, tss, oh, ow, sorry, just, tss. yeah, <laughs> sorry, it wasn't didn't want to look directly at it, and just like milk that scene to the point where it was kind of a hilarious uh, dick thing. I don't, I don't know, just it, that, milk the dick scene, Alec, really, mm-hmm. milk the dick scene. <laughs> it, it's, Alex, it's, it. it's tough because you can over milk it. Obviously, you can then like you then lampshade it. It's like <laughs> hilarious dick scene. But like you know, you just do it coolly in a kind of Indiana Jones way. Like in the, you know the way that um. Oh, uh, Alfred Molina in uh, Raiders turns around and he's he's got a back covered <laughs> in tarantulas and I leapt out of my seat every single time and then he just sort of taps them off his back. That's a great moment of sort of tension in Alpha. God's sake. But this film, yeah, they basically is- did a better version of that with the uh, the the whatever it was that swims up your penis in the rundown that they talk about when they go I, for a swim. I mentioned that as soon as Bruce Campbell jumped in the water, I was like, not this guy's pinto. <laughs> But yeah, this film is entirely the rock free, unfortunately. It's nowhere near dry enough, and I'm not just talking about all the lakes bits. Mm. Um, Folks, if you want a really great version of this, The Rundown. The Rundown, yeah. We should do The Rundown. We should. Otherwise known as Welcome to the Jungle in the States. In the UK. Although there's also a film called Welcome to the Jungle. The one with the rock in it. (laughs) But uh, yeah, there's another another film which is not uh, this film called Welcome to the Jungle. Don't get it confused. Under those circumstances, shouldn't they just universally call it the rundown everywhere? When when something else comes out called Welcome to the Jungle? Yeah, it's weird. I don't know why they changed the name, because the rundown actually makes sense. Yeah. Plus, they changed the name of the ref from Hostile Hostages in the UK back to the ref. So, you know, eventually maybe they just can't be bothered anymore. Like, when they, when they can't be bothered to change the uh, title cards on the American DVDs they're translating, you know? Anyway. Well, that's why it's called Avengers Assemble. Ugh. Is that 
That was only called Avengers Assemble because there were still old fuddy-duddies going, Oh, John Steed and Emma Peel. Well, I never... That wasn't a film play, I you went... know what? Avengers Assemble actually makes more sense as a title. I kind of like it now. Like, in retrospect of Age of Ultron, you just call it Avengers Assemble. People know exactly which one you're talking about. Otherwise, you talk about Avengers, it's almost like you're talking about it in general. And we've got James Spader in here again somehow. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, good old Ultron. Okay, so anyway... D- Laura Linney goes, I'm going to go and rescue him. And then, well, first off, there's a kind of that's not how computers work thing with this umbrella satellite circling the world and they're having that Skype conversation. Then we cut to the classroom, which is covered in sort of green jungle drawings with a repeating motif of an eye that have been painted crudely as though by a child that we find out later have been painted by an ape. And we're introduced to basically the most important character in this film, really. Are we? Yeah? Mm. Amy, who is an ape who learned sign language with her trainer, uh, the uh, scientician, um, Evan Peters, was his name? Uh, uh, Peter something? He's, uh, he's Dr. Elliot. Bingo. But we're not, we're not doing names, Bingo. are we? What, anyway, was, what was the actor's so name? So Bingo has taught Amy Evan to Walsh. use... Evan Walsh. So B- Bingo has taught Amy how to use sign language, um, but then he gives her... A, like, he, like, he goes, right, well, this is now working for the first time ever, and it was... Like it was working on on a person, like a, a a person who was mute and on a, like a person, a human, and it was on stage, and they were like, "Oh, I've never heard my own voice before. This is the, this is amazing," and um, basically because this machine can sort of interpret sign language? Question mark. Neil, do they yeah. go into they they do in very, the book? The very brief. Oh, sorry, in the book. Carry on. They do explain. To be honest, in the film. I cannot remember. I read the book that long ago that even I can't remember that detail. Mm. I mean, the, I'm the not they... sure it's even in the book that she she knows sign language. I'm not sure if they have the microphone uh, virtual reality interpreting oh. thing or not. So it's more like Caesar in the book. I, may, I think so. Don't don't quote me on that. Like mm. don't. So they were making they it for people who are like I don't like reading things while I'm looking at them. Well, goodness, we can't have that. Yeah. Well, but for everybody else to be They want to hear a to, creep robot voice instead. For everyone else to, to know what Amy was saying, you'd basically have to have um, uh, Evan Walsh translating everything for her constantly. And it removes one of the female voices in the film, of which there are already only two. Yeah. Having said that, um, it's an incredibly useful machine that never misinterprets anything. Mm. It says everything in very basic terms... Uh, and it, it never says that would be mice or anything else that you would make, you know, dif- like there be, there's no translation difficulties. It's the first time a mute person has ever used it and somehow it, it works perfectly. And, yeah, that's fine. Whatever. Well, it, it works like a virtual reality glove. Mm-hmm. Think power glove. Yeah, it looks um, like the power glove. It's so bad. <laughs> um, and it basically, it recognises your gesture and then translates that into a spoken word. Now... First off, when they, when they do the demo up on the stage, mm-hmm. it struck me that the, the guy's basically like, oh, wow, I've never heard my own voice before. Right, no. They've trialled that thing with him mm. before they've got on a stage and put a camera in front of him. Yeah. Because basically when somebody does sign language, everybody does sign language in a slightly different way. That would have to be calibrated exactly to him. And, also, and it's calibrated to an ape. Yeah, and also there are several um, gestures in sign language where it's the same gesture. It means different things depending on the context. Yeah. There's no way that you can rely on a machine to know the context yeah. of why you're using that gesture or what your facial expression is, which can 
completely change the meaning of what you're saying. Also, Amy only says like ten things in the whole film, and several of them over and over again. She may as well just have a button, like a button array of ten things to say. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, point to the green drop drink when you want a green drop drink. Good gorillas, bad gorillas, Amy, other. Ugly, ugly woman. Yeah. Ugly woman. Okay, um, it's it's worth noting that, as you say, there are two female voices, two female characters in this film, and they both fucking hate each other. Yeah, it, it fails to pass <laughs> the Bechdel test. They never have a conversation. No, Amy doesn't but, want anything to do with Laura Linney. Does apply to Simeons, though? I, well, she's I female. Know, but yeah, she's female. I, if, put it this way, if she'd had an actual conversation with Laura Linney that didn't involve insults, mm. um, or, you know, this, this stereotype if two of female, female ape- competitiveness. Yeah, if two female apes in the planet, the apes movies chatted with each other that's that's, that's the best yeah, test that's the best test passed but you know, here no friggin Amy's more of a character than a lot of the males in this, that's, this is yeah true. that's true <laughs> this yeah. is true but basically yeah it's like there's two girls here they've got to insult each other and be competitive over a man because that's just how things are even when one of them is an ape yes Indeed. It was an ape, they will say. A gangly, hairless, tiny ape. It could take your legs off in a single bite. And most certainly, it could breathe fire. And she was in its thrall. We could see the lack of will in her eyes. She wanders by its side. A zombie slave to its unholy purpose. So they all like load into a plane for like a multiple um, stop trip. And... Brute, uh, was it? Oh, you're scratching yourself. No. <laughs> I am not! I'm rearranging my foot, if you don't mind. Foot rearrangements. <laughs> so, yeah, Amy, why did they bring the ape? No, no, no. Because they were the, taking her home. The purpose of the journey is to take her back to the jungle. Oh, okay. And then she's going to teach all the other gorillas sign language, and then we're going to have a big old conversation. Hmm. Like, so they spent, not cutting down no. our home they spent years <laughs> trying to teach this ape to communicate on a level with a human, and then they just try to take her home. They've softened her up to the point where she is unable to take care of herself in the wild, and then they're going to dump her in the wild. That is the huge gaping flaw in this plan, and no one ever acknowledges it. Yeah. And also they're expecting her to teach wild gorillas words that they couldn't possibly have any or frame of reference for. Yeah. Like, where can I get a green drop drink around here? <laughs> Good luck with that. Where's the bananas with the dope? Where's the, where's the bananas with the dope? Oh, no, no, it would be just, where's the bananas? Because I feel great when I have them. <laughs> She's got like a, a 20 a day banana habit. Amy want good bananas. They they want to get on a plane, but there's no fuel in it, and they have to buy the fuel. And then, like, and and Tim Curry says he'll buy the fuel. No, no. Bas- basically, what happens is um, Tim Curry wants to go to the Lost Egg of Mantumbi Kingdom. Yeah, Tim Tim Curry volunteers to fund this uh, this project, uh-huh. which. Given that part of the point is to bring Amy back to the jungle and the zoo in, or the the, um, the lab or wherever it is that, that Amy is involved in research mm-hmm. refuses because they don't want to fund basically taking away their current research subject. Why would they? And then... Self-destructive. And then Tim Curry comes along and says, well, I'll pay for it. There's still the fact that they own this gorilla... 
to all intent and purposes and would refuse to let you have her. Yeah. Also, you need to sign all kinds of paperwork to move a gorilla out of the country. You would think, wouldn't you? But no, they circumvent all of that with mm. the magic of Joe Pantaleone. Yeah, and then Tim Curry's credit card starts being rejected so they can't fill the plane up with much, fuel. How much was the fuel? It was like $56,000. So he is putting an awful lot of stock in the fact that there are going to be diamonds that can just be picked up off the ground in this place. Like, completely forgetting the fact that if, if anyone... If it was easy to get go in there and pick them up, people would have gone in there and picked them up already. But, but it's a lost city. They, no, one, no one knows where it is except for Amy, because it's lost, you see. Except so, for Amy and but, all those cannibals. But, That's the thing we'll that tips see. him off, because, like, Amy's been drawing this eye, and the eye is in the lost city on a statue, and, like, there's no possibility that Amy couldn't just be thinking of an eye from somewhere else. He's staking maybe 50 grand. Maybe she just grand. really likes the Lord of the Rings. You don't know. Yeah, maybe. Mm, yeah. Maybe she had an encounter with a crocodile that's just never left her subconscious. And the great eye is ever watchful. One does not simply walk into Africa and pick up the diamonds off the floor when there's radioactive apes about. Okay, so um, there's also Faisal from True Lies. You remember that? The uh, the, the token guy of uh, uh, oh. Muslim identity. That's just so James Cameron can go, not Dead all, hashtag walking. not all Muslims. Yeah, he's dead, dead, dead walking in this. Yeah, um, he, he. I think he's just the buddy of the scientist guy. Yeah. Yes. No? Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's maybe another a one of Amy's assistant. Or, yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, e- t- evil Tim Curry turns up, and Maureen, what's the appeal of Tim Curry? Tell us now, because you're a huge, huge Tim Curry fan. We shiver. <laughs> With anticipation. <laughs> I don't know. There's something about him that makes him very good at being bad. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> now, the the accent in this was slightly disconcerting because it's not his normal accent. Mm-hmm. It's, that's and, not anybody's normal accent. No, I'm sorry. I had a question. He starts He starts to say a word to Ernie that begins with the letter N. Is that a word in Romania? Like, what, how would he have even come up with that derogatory term if he's a Romanian? I don't well, know. Well, is he supposed to... Well, is he... I know supposed to... I think he like, actually is, just, is Romanian. Or he's supposed right. to actually be Romanian, but... It's... Uh, uh. <laughs> so you mean he was going to use the worst word for Ernie Hudson? Why? Yes. Yes. Because he, he, he kept saying that the thing didn't exist, and he was giving him a hard time about it. <clears throat> and he starts to say something to him, and he he stops himself, stops himself. But I kept thinking, how would you? What? That wasn't really a word in Romanian dialect, is my thought. Depends how long he spent in America, so I guess you could. Always I say, suppose, so but, but yeah. anyway. It's not the best script, I'll tell you that. I, I think you're putting more consideration into it than anybody else. Mm-hmm. He's yeah, being yeah lamp- you thought about that way more than anyone writing the script. He's being uh, <laughs> lampshaded as the villain here. And like, did he satisfy you? Did did you like watch this and go, now that is some prime Tim Curry? Or did you just think, well, he's the most entertaining thing in this, or, or what? No, it was not his best role. I, I mean, he was—he's always entertaining when he's on screen. He's—he's he's got that sort of delightful sneer to his voice whenever he talks, no matter what, which is yeah. fantastic. Mm. But it was not 
it, it was a little lackluster, I must admit. He was, he was, I never... Go ahead. I, I never thought he was the villain in this, to be fair. He's too inept to be a villain. Mm. <laughs> Although, what's the bet somewhere? They were probably out for drinks somewhere, and Tim Curry and Ernie Hudson decided, you know what, we're going to have an accent off. Who can come up with the most <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> accent for this film? Because what's Ernie away Hudson's accent? Is, is he sort of doing British? He, he starts off kind of possibly British, but he lapses into just a pretty broad American very often. I think what he's kind of doing is just the the stage actor version of a British accent, where where what he does is he enunciates all of his consonants very carefully, and so it sounds to the layman as though he has an accent. But yeah, no, he's he's not he's not British. He's not South African. He's not American. Really, he's just kind of different. I think you've got you worse. And then you've got Joe Pantoliano, who's just like, he's Joey pantsing all over the place. Oh, yeah. Like, what's this guy doing in Zaire? (laughs) He's just playing himself. And, like, he is the perfect actor to have weaseling around in your group to then, like, betray everyone at the end. Like, he's the Benny in The Mummy. Why didn't you keep him around? It doesn't make any sense. They waste so many good character actors. Like, uh, well, and some of of them is that I guess some of these guys just hadn't blown up, but... I mean, you've got Adewale Akunoya Akbaje, who was Killer Croc in Suicide Squad, mm. and he, he was also in the Mummy. Uh, he was in the Mummy Returns. Yeah, he's locked now. Yeah, that was that was Kahega. And, yeah, so, and um, you know, yeah, he barely talks. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and so like Suicide Squad then. Yeah, hey, exactly. And you've got Joe Pantoliano, who just shows up twice, and both times he's the most entertaining things in both of those scenes, and then he just disappears for some reason. And mm. Bruce Campbell disappears from the movie, and all these people are just like, know. hey, bye. Oh yeah, you've got John Hawks, a guy who has proved himself time and again in uh, in things like Deadwood to be a fantastic actor. He was the guy who runs the liquor store at the beginning of From Dust Till Dawn. He's the scared white guy in the jungle who looks at Amy and goes, "Ah, I die." <laughs> He's in yep. fact he he did give rise to the bit that made me laugh the most which was which is when they get there and they find him and they're like he's is he he's the one that they're like he's almost dead but not quite oh yeah no he's only he's mostly mostly dead dead. (laughs) and so they get there and and, and laura linney kind of um recognizes immediately immediately and she goes he's not quite dead bob driscoll bob 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 and And ernie hudson says who "Who is is this man bob would be my guess It, any any canny scriptwriter would have been able to turn that into an actual dry gag, but it's so like it, incapable of seeing when it could be funny. Yeah, and then he literally dies when everybody's looking the other way. He just falls over. He's not quite dead. He's getting better. He's died. <laughs> oh no, he's died. He's put a flesh wound. It's such garbage. It takes it so itself so seriously that it's mm. funny. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. where the comedy comes from. Yeah. It's not. Funny haha is that God they actually they actually thought they were being serious with this dialogue. It's funny right. in a kind of a Garth Marenghi way. It's not like so, so bad. Like uh, it's it's not got uh, the room levels of. We got to do the room at some point, by the way. <laughs> You're tearing me apart, Lisa. It's, it's not it's not quite Nanar, and I think I'd, I've worked out a distinction with Nanar in terms of um, uh, the the quality of the actors' performances. 
Um, Nana basically has to have people who can't act to save their life acting as hard as they can. Yeah. Whereas this is people who, who can act. You know, can, can be act. professional and can turn in good performances, but just can't be bothered. Slumming it. They, they're just like sleeping through this. The evil Tim Curry sneers at one point, you're returning her to the jungle from whence she came. I'm not going to attempt to do his accent, but basically, you are returning her to the jungle from whence she came. It's, it's like... It was close. Yeah. And <laughs> in the meantime, this ape is going, ugly woman, ugly woman, and like really mouthing off. So they get, this is my favourite bit of the movie. Then she starts asking, green drop, drink, green drop, drink. And she's insisting on having something. And... The scientist buddy of hers goes to the back of the plane where the cocktail cabinet is. Where is he getting this glass from? He gets a chilled martini glass, professionally done. Tips in a measure of martini, maybe mixes a little vermouth, cocktail olives. Gives it to the ape, this enormous ape hand, delicately holding the stem of this chilled glass. And she's just slurping it back and it's like... Get the fuck out of here, movie. There is no way you give this ape this drink. And if you do, you're abusing her. The first thing she's going to do is swallow that cocktail stick sideways. I would believe. Here is your tropical juice, uh, Amy. And he gives her like a squeeze bottle and she just sort of sucks it down and it just happens to have maybe some brandy in it just to sort of calm her nerves. And it's like, and just he'll just say, I, I put a... a, a uh, a mild tranquilizer in it or just like something medical which makes us feel like you're not a complete lunatic but like feeding your ape chilled martinis with this delicate cocktail olives to the point where she calls them something green drop drink i just love slamming those back it's insane it's eccentric to the point of of absurdity in this film like, you would expect that to be the sort of thing that a crazy version of the Tim Curry playing that scientist character would do with the ape. Yes. Like, oh, yeah, no. Shifty, shifty McRomanian man would definitely yeah. give a gorilla lots of martini. Yeah, like, but, yeah and I, but, for the scientist, her friend, to be really upset with him for doing that. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. it'll calm her down on the flight. And he's like, will you do that one more time? And she's like, green drop, drink. Oh, she wants another. And then, look, I'm, we're writing better jokes just thinking about it. See? I'm buckling my seatbelt. See, Amy? We're all buckling our seatbelts. You can do it. Go on. Yeah, that's it. Good girl. Here's an egg. <coughs> Amy, we do not throw things. Is that animal dangerous? Humans are dangerous. Gorillas are very gentle. So you think the gorilla may be dangerous? Maybe so. Don't perpetuate a myth. What myth? The King Kong myth, the myth of the killer ape. Well, are you so certain there aren't some kind of gorillas that kill? Oh, please, doctor, you can't be serious. It's your area of expertise. Folk singing? Communications technology. So you're a geek with a cellular phone? I'm a scientist. But you and your protege, as far as I can see, belong in the circus. So just because you came up with a water cache at the crucial moment, it, it's okay, Amy. Where? Ground. Where? Ground. It's fine. We're flying. We're going to the jungle. Amy wants green drop drink. No. Amy wants green drop drink. All right, all right. You'd swear they were married. The notion of the killer ape may be politically incorrect, but that's not to say it's untrue. I can't believe what I'm hearing. 
cliches usually contain some element of truth. Are you serving that ape a martini? She's allowed one. It'll calm her down. In my life, I have heard many a bizarre story. Many a bizarre story containing bizarre truth. It's the kind of... You know what this is? It was written as a joke who, from people who thought their film was serious shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, is it really possible to turn... Like, like it basically took Steven Spielberg to make Jurassic Park great. And he did it by changing so much, except for the bones of that story. Like, every character is different in the movie. A lot mm-hmm. of the stuff that's really nasty doesn't really happen. Mm. and Or it happens off and, camera. Or it happens off camera. And and with this, you have definitely not Steven Spielberg. And mm. yeah, hey, even it, Spielberg gets it wrong. We did watch The Lost World, remember? Well, yeah, but like even Spielberg could only give so many, you know, so many fornications so many times with Crichton's work, I guess. I don't know. This makes Jurassic Park 3 look good. It Ugh, does. I can't believe I said that. Alan. It also, they both feel so short. Like, this feels like there should be maybe a third act after yeah. they get to Lost City. Like, may, maybe there should have been more stuff going on, and, and you run into Bruce Campbell as a crazy jungle man who's been trying to survive. and With an and army that, of apes? Yeah, I like that idea. Crazy yeah. Bruce Campbell. Crazy Bruce Campbell with an army of apes that he's taught sign language. I like that idea. Or, or he's Robin Williams from Jumanjiing himself around and just trying to not get killed, but he's like got a crazy beard and and weird outfits. So and, like that kid in Jurassic like, Park three. Yeah, and it's like, oh, you got to watch out for the gorillas, man. They're gonna get you. Oh my god, he'd be so great. Like basically, so he'd be um, Lawrence Fishburne in Predators, then you know, or Ash oh, from Evil I'm Dead Two, and he's like, oh, you got to stop. That's a bad place to be. Yeah. get out of here. Oh man. It's kind of because they never actually build up the gray apes either. They, they briefly mentioned the legend of the killer apes, and then we don't talk about it again. It's like maybe you should interweave that with what's going on because we sort of get brief mention of legend of killer apes, some explanation once we're in Zinge that oh they turn the apes into the guards by treating them really really shitly. They turn the apes upon... into the guards or the guards well, the into ga- the apes. The the apes are sort of the guards or something. I think that's what the the. The hieroglyphics were say, but they trained monkeys to guard the diamonds by killing people and making the apes super killers, and then the apes were like, "Well, we're just going to kill you too, then," and, and yeah. basically pulled an Eddie Izzard on them. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you haven't got a banana? I want a banana. <laughs> nice. I've got a gun. You didn't even sign that time. I know. <laughs> <laughs> But the the weird thing about the apes is it's it's almost like they did the the costumes and the makeup for for the apes. Oh, speaking of which, Stan it. Winston at his lowest ebb. Yes, this. No, I Stan mean, Winston, no, Stan Winston at his lowest ebb did Wrong Turn. Oh, you know what? I preferred the effects in Wrong Turn to this because I know what, what an ape looks like and does not look like, mm-hmm. and uh, what a, a, a grotesquely deformed hillbilly looks like. Uh, and I think that wrong turn seems more accurate when when you hold it up against this film up against, say, Planet of the Apes or Rise of the Planet. Do you think I'll these... hold wrong turn up against is the bin? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, like, it's, it's up against things like the hills have eyes in terms of befo- mm. deformed hillbillies preying yeah. on city folk. But these guys don't look like apes. They look like the trolls out of Willow. 
They do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Their faces are yeah, all weird still... and inside out. and They couldn't get the hair right. If you can't do apes, don't do a film about apes then. No. And if you, if you decide then to go through with that anyway, don't attempt to compensate by shaking the camera about to try and stop people actually oh, seeing God. them. That, that bit. so fucking annoying. It's like... Okay, you really know your special effects look like shit because it's shaky shake, blur, blur, more blur, more yeah. blur. Mm. They actually do that in Peter Jackson's King Kong. It's usually uh, when the, uh, the, the tribal people turn up and they're doing like horrible human sacrifices. Um, but like Jackson was keen on doing that. He did it a few times in The Fellowship of the Ring where you like you lower the frame rate and it's got that sort of shaky kind of like, you know, the beginning of um, Saving Private Ryan when everything goes all yeah. sort of like blurry and jarry. Mm. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right, there, um, Neil. It's because when the ape runs in and like Faisal from True Lies runs in, he goes, "Ah, an ape's killing me! An ape's killing me!" Ugh, and he just drops down dead. And then the ape turns up, and then they do that drop frame rate because they know that the actual ape running down the corridor looked like shit. Yeah, I have. I am evidently the connoisseur of the B movies. Yeah, they don't do that because they've got more faith in their practical effects than this film. This, you know, triple A blockbuster film had in its. Well, basically, like, the, the, the ape would be scary if you didn't know where it was and it was people scattered and divided on their own. Like, the apes attacked and then they all ran off in different directions and then someone's sort of running around and the other's, where yep. are you? And turns around and the ape goes, here. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, I'm ape man. I'm ape man. I'm Gorilla <laughs> Grodd. I, I literally, because t- you knew when I hit this point in the film, because I literally tweeted out that this film all of a sudden becomes aliens. Because it does, because... Yeah. The scene inside the temple is so reminiscent of when they're down on the lower floors finding yeah. the people and they're suddenly picked off out of nowhere. Yeah. They've got these, like, yeah, sentry like guns a- for, for no reason that weren't mentioned beforehand and would have come in very useful earlier. And then it's... I think part of the reason that the the effects look so wonky with the usually reliable Stan Winston is uh, they were originally going to be trying to do, like they did with Jurassic Park with the apes and, and do it CG, Yeah, but they found out that they couldn't do fur yet because it was the mid-90s and, well, you just couldn't yet. You know, dinosaurs have scaly skin. That's a lot easier to do. I put it to you, and Stan, so they, that you couldn't do fur in animatronic either. Well, I mean, I think they didn't give him the sort of lead time he would have needed to make mm. them not crappy, is, is what I'm saying. And yeah. so because they had started off going one way and then, whoop, nope, you know, mm. only brought in Stan Winston to... And it's shot so flat. Like, everything... Yeah. Every time you see one of the apes, almost constantly they're made to look much smaller because you're from the human's eye view, and it makes them look short and weird and squat. Whereas, and they're fully you know, lit, so they're not scary. No, and yeah. also the, just purely the fact that you know this is Stan Winston; he is capable of doing amazing animatronic apes if given the budget and the time and the the actual that that's his purpose. Mm. No, these are guys in suits. It looks like it was thrown together as quickly as possible. If I, if I was going to pick the the best person for effects in the eighties and nineties, it'd be Stan Winston mm. with Rick Baker maybe coming up behind him in terms of like ape makeup I think his last um, ape film of note was the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes the apes in that look splendid in comparison to the apes in this they have personality the people inside the suits are like doing ape things and they're really getting into character like the people in this don't seem to give that much of a shit about being apes uh, in, in Congo they're not really like their aping out is not of the same level by any means as say um i mean we're always going to compare it unfavorably with um the, the, the planet of the apes but yeah their ape is shit 
Yeah. <laughs> Even compared to the the Rick Baker apes and like the the nineteen eighty whatever Greystoke Tarzan movie, like those look really really good. And that was that was what ten years before this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's also, not like you can't do it. Mm-hmm. Also, Greystoke. <laughs> I've tried to watch oh. that film three times and fell asleep every time. <laughs> not the most exciting movie. Really good looking apes though. Oh yes, really really good looking apes. Mm. Uh, I tell you what, though, apart from anything else, it would appear that these apes are capable of shaping capable. diamonds. Oh, yeah, those apes, they're all jewellers. They're just they're, they're cutting these diamonds, and then they just... They're, they're would-be rough diamonds, they're just chipping them off, and then they're leaving them perfectly formed in the dirt. Yeah, like, yeah well, we haven't had anyone to kill in a while, so uh, I'm taking up this jewel. Let's, let's do some diamond yeah, Diamond crafting, yeah. Makes sense. Well, they use tools in the book. Like, they have these symbol things. They don't just smash people's heads. They... They literally in the books have these, I guess, stone symbols that they use to squash your face sideways. They, it, it's the book is really weird. It sounds it. What? But at least the book makes more effort to make sense in that regards. If it, if the yep. if the film was more specifically weird, it would probably be more arresting of a watch. I can I can understand completely why people watch this film and are bored by it. Hmm. It's, it literally is that middle section where it is going to the place and it just goes on and on without really expanding much or doing anything. And it's like, and then you get the last 20 minutes where it just decides, yeah, we've had enough of this, let's be let's aliens. Let's go ape and be <laughs> aliens. Yeah, the, the, we're missing several ape bits aliens. out. Apeliens. We're missing several aliens. bits out. When, when they get to Africa and Joey Pants takes them to the African embassy, they meet Delroy Lindo. They start eating sesame seed cake. Bad idea. And... Um, the, like there's a, like, a lot of discussion about bribery and stuff, and you can't come into my country and do this and do that. And it's like it's a very sort of like socio political in nature, but it's all it all amounts to nothing. It's all just posturing, just like wasting more time before we get to the ape city. Um, but it, there, there is that weird moment when um, Delroy Lindo glares at uh, Tim Curry and says, "Stop eating my sesame seed cake." Um, at which point Tim Curry kind of like goes, ah, blah, blah, gobs the rest of his stuff into his hand and goes, yeah, sorry. Um, I, I think the idea is that he's not allowed in this country because he was sniffing around for the lost city before and he couldn't yeah. find it and he was deported or something. Something like that. There's quite a few times, though, where they, they – right, something is said – or there's a setup or something that appears to be some kind of socio-political reference that they're not entirely sure of. Or maybe I was just seeing more than was really intended. They, they go from the discussion about um, uh, gorillas in captivity um, basically becoming psychotic and um, experiencing uh, mental deterioration to Tim Curry turning up and saying um, something about working under Ceausescu. And I thought, is that a reference to um, all the children in the orphanages that they found after um, uh, Ceausescu was um, was deposed? Mm. And then I thought, no, no, it's not, because that's not this kind of movie. <laughs> no, don't look, don't look very deep if you can help it with this kind of movie. Mm. Um, also, like, the, the whole thing about Tim Curry's arc should have been, like, I'll fund this trip, uh, but, but you know, you, uh, we've got to take my uh, guard, my, my guys with me because they're the experts. And then, like, just in, like, Alien versus Predator, like, halfway through when they're in the jungle, these guys all break out machine guns, like, no, I'm in charge. That's what the Tim Curry character should have been there for. Am I wrong? No, because he's just there. He doesn't really do anything. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's, he's a complete no-hoper. Like, like, they were, like, Del Lillino was super pissed at him because he goes into the city at the end and, like, grabs all the diamonds off the ground and goes, oh, hooray, diamonds. Um, 
And that, that's it. That's basically like he's like a kid in a candy store. How can that be uh, your antagonist? It's it's also weird because like when they he finds the diamonds, he completely forgets bizarrely that he's surrounded by killer grey apes, <laughs> the apes of wrath, and uh, <laughs> that's from Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. But it's a better ape uh, thirty minutes than any thirty minutes in this. Mm. Um, the, the costumes are better as well. <laughs> My name is Dr. Rick Douglas, MD. A new terror in Dark Place. Sanchez, my friend, my buddy, is now an ape. Although still a competent surgeon, he does now smell like an ape. But was he the only one? Well, the word on the ward was no. He weren't. This place was dark. Damn dark. Hence, Dark Place. The, the Delroy Lindo section is around about the time you're thinking, there's too many damn characters in this film. Like, I, I can't keep track of everyone and like what everyone wants, and I don't think I care about what anyone wants, and that's a huge problem, structurally speaking. Have some uh, coffee and cake. Have some! You have our visas. You have our manifest. This is a legitimate scientific mission. You have no right to detain us. Liar, liar, your pants on fire. So says my computer, Miss Ross. Huh. You used to work for the CIA, and now you're Travacom. Travacom pays better than the CIA. You have a big mouth. Everybody says that about me. What can I do? Monroe, you have the worst timing in the world. Tell me about it. They blew up the president's Mercedes-Benz. Did you know that? This is a big plot. My country will be in shit for at least a year. Captain, I need that truck. You need the truck? You also need ten good men to the border. Mr. Homoka. Well. Stop eating my sesame cake. Stop eating my sesame cake! Mm-hmm. What are you doing in my country, bag of shit? Captain, please. I only wish to explore and discover. This fellow is a big bag of shit. You should shake this rat from off your neck. He owes money to everybody everywhere he goes. Probably because he keeps having to pay out $150,000 a time just for jet fuel. This is scintillating dialogue, though, as you can hear. But yeah, like, then only Hudson meets his friend, um, uh, Adi Wally, the guy from who played Killer Croc, uh, along with the guy who played Fazil in um, uh, Faisal in uh, True Lies. I think it's pretty good for representation, you know, even though it is slightly colonial and racist in its overtones. Like there, you know, there's a lot of black characters in it, and they're mm-hmm. not all the same. But this is not like Marvel black characters where they've all got personalities and histories and stuff going on. They're just kind of there. To ferry I, I the plot of, to its climax. I kind of like that, though. I like the fact that you, you there was a lot of, um, as you say, there's a, a high proportion of um, of black actors and um, basically just just doing stuff, which it would have been, it it would have felt really off for them not to be there, considering that this is set in Africa. Yeah. Um, and um, it, it just, it seemed a little bit like they were trying to cram far too many stereotypes into a short space of time. 
um, which felt slightly weird. So you've got, right, okay, so we've got civil war going on and everybody's shooting at each other and then you've got crime and corruption going on and everybody's stealing everything and then you've got bribery going on and we know that happens and then you've got, oh, let's have these tribal people as well that are all waving their arms in the air and shouting in tongues. Let's chuck disease in there as well, shall we? Keep it light. <laughs> it's Meantime- kind of mad lipsy in the way that it just throws crap in there. It's like, this stuff happens in Africa, right? Yeah, let's add some of that. Yeah. It's like the stereotype, the stereotypes guide to Africa. Absolutely, but we're going to have it all take place in this one sort of one hundred square mile bit of Africa, despite the fact that Africa's huge. Meantime, I, Amy's kicking back after all of her martinis. She's got a, nursing a killer hangover, and so they give her some stogies to uh, to, to take to, to ease her. No, stress. they don't give her. She takes it. She's like, right, I'm having this. Clink, clink, clink. Lights up. I'm thinking they've got to get her back to the wild before they kill her with these horrible like <laughs> west and like addictive substances absolutely they're going to ditch her in the jungle and here's what's going to happen she's going to have withdrawal symptoms mm. from a lack of doped bananas the beginnings of lung cancer and liver cirrhosis yeah that's so sad it is it's horrendous so they get everyone onto a plane this is again we're jumping to the middle we keep jumping to the end and then going backwards a bit that's because um, where all the stuff is. Yeah, it's because it's, it's so uh, bottom-loaded at the end. Um, and, and, like, you know, the, there's nothing really of note that actually happens at all, but just, like, we're trying to pick our way through the dramatic like, incidents at the end uh, and sort of like, try and like, work out how that happened. Like them, we're picking our way through the jungle that is this movie. Yeah. Um, so they all loaded onto a plane away from the embassy, and uh, but then, like, some guys on the ground have got surface-to-air missiles and they fire them at the plane... I don't know, like, you know when I said it was cheap? This plane flies by looking like a model, and it was probably a real plane. But he somehow, Frank Marshall manages to make this plane look like a model. Maybe it was a model. Do you know who's piloting the plane? Who's piloting the plane? I had to look this up, but I can't believe it. Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett? Yes. Maybe he went off to have a cheeseburger in paradise. (laughs) Because he bails out, everybody bails out, because there's surface-to-air missiles flying around the place. And this is where Laura Linney just sort of gets up and, cool as a cucumber, grabs a flare gun and then fires it out of an open plane window like Captain America, just like, boom. It's like, it's heat-seeking. You don't even say it's heat-seeking that it'll go towards its signature. And, like, deals with a missile. And then uh, Ernie Hudson does the same thing. And they're just like... Like, like dead-eyed, steely, staring down a missile. And there's no real tension because... Everyone else is running around like a like a, a twit, and but they are so calm about it. So that like you know the plane's going down, it's going to explode, but they're all going to get off, and no one's going to die. So it's kind of like, what's the point of this? You might just have had as well as had the plane be crap and have it actually like give out and like have the them have to crash land in the jungle. Wouldn't that have been better? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, they blew it up anyway, so... But yeah, no, they, 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 uh, the plane goes flying through the sky. They've all bailed out on their parachutes. And the scientist gets to the ground holding on to a fully grown gorilla with a parachute. Well, was it the scientist no, or was it... Was it, it was Ernie Hudson. Oh, it was Ernie Hudson. And she was biting him the whole way down. So, you know, that's why he... Those were the, the eight bites that he just shrugged off and went, yeah, no, no problem. Does anyone know how heavy a gorilla is? It's very heavy. Okay, let, let's find out, shall we, folks? And what what's the, the useful load on one of those parachutes? Well, you can do tandem skydives, so... Yeah. Um, let's see. 
Uh, adult females usually weigh half as much as adult males, so they're about 150 to 250 pounds. So Whoa. about a, a person. Okay. Um, and they had it that she's about eight. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy is about eight years old. Okay. So um, how much weight can a parachute take? Well, if it's a tandem parachute, probably a good amount of weight. And if it's just a sure dodgy parachute tandem. picked up in a <laughs> I'm not sure uh, if those plane. were tandem parachutes, though. Well, okay, fair enough. Well, let's just say that I wouldn't want to hold on to a gorilla while I was parachute jumping down to the jungle. Especially one that wakes up halfway down and realizes that they're falling to the ground. Yeah, and they've drugged her with, like, Prozac. Well, is it like, did they shove drugs into a banana? Mm. Pretty much. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they, um, they pilled a banana and had her eat it. Yeah, it says it's like Gorilla Prozac. To which Amy should really have tapped on her uh, thing and said, that's racist. <laughs> now they're in the jungle, and uh, there's the leech on the dick moment. Oh, shit! Somebody help me. What is it? There's something on my... It's like a creature of growth or something on my... Look. Oh, that's a leech. But take it off. <laughs> you want to take it off? Is your leech? You take it off. Need some help? No. Yeah. <laughs> Burn it off with this. Oh. Mm. <laughs> this is disgusting. <laughs> Thank you for your compassion. Uh, then the tribes. I ter- like poor lady's expression when she's like looking over his shoulder. That's really fun. Like she's like, "Hey, you need some help with that?" <laughs> Which one's the leech? <laughs> <laughs> there should really have been a frisson between a slightly bigger one. At least two of these characters, shouldn't there? Does she like Ernie Hudson much? There is a distinct professional respect between them. Ooh, Um, distinct professional respect. It's crackling. Amy seems to think that um, that, uh, Dr. Elliot has a bit of a thing for her because she gets jealous, although they never really follow Mm. up on that. It it is mentioned that why is Amy being jealous and they never really talk about it. I don't think it's actually necessary to have um, romance at all significantly in in a film like this. You don't necessarily have to crowbar it in. Uh, But some form of, like personality clash would have been good Mm, especially since he calls her a geek with a cellular phone like during one of their first tete-a-tetes and of course like now everyone's got a freaking cellular phone but parts of this movie age just so horribly yeah also geek dude you taught a gorilla sign language (laughs) hot kettle Yes, indeed. And wasn't it at some point? Oh, this was the thing that, that I just was like, are they following up on this at all? That conversation between him and Laura Linney, where she basically keeps asking him, why did you teach a gorilla sign language? And he rattles off all of this stuff. And she goes, yes, but why did you teach a gorilla sign language? And he rattles off a whole load more. And I'm like, you still haven't explained why you taught a gorilla sign language. There's a simple Lord, answer a, here. Because... Was no, no, I was I, lonely. How about that? Yeah. You wanted to see if you could. That seems pretty straightforward. Oh, dear me. But no, you have to quote obscure poets in the hope that she'll get who you're talking about or not get who you're talking about. Lonely impulse of delight. That's that's left over from the definitely James Spader version of this script. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She told you to <laughs> she told you to sod off, didn't she? Yeah. Do you think if, if it was James Spader at the end that him and the ape are kissing? No. No. Well, I think no, he's she's like, No, you're creepy, go away. <laughs> Amy, you're you must Spader. get Not out of here. Here, keep this it's thing. Like I don't a- need it. It's like in Stargate. No, he stays there. He's like, no, you go on. I'll stay. (laughs) And who else was in Stargate, Pilgrim? 
damn right. And you're missing, totally missing a Jack Burton type character, as we've already said. Man, uh, this movie's uh, making Stargate look good. No, 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 the silverback gorilla that Amy ends up going off with at the end. Yeah, That's voiced Jack by Kurt Burton. Russell. <laughs> God. Actually, do you know who it is voiced by? Frank Welker. Of course. Did we get Welkered? We got Welkered. Uh, <laughs> you need, well, okay. Um, Welker to the jungle. Nice. Uh, <laughs> that's right, gang. We got fun and games. Yeah, Frank Welker, pretty much, uh, like, if you need an animal voiced in Hollywood, like, just, like, doing animal things, then they get in Frank Welker. He just... No, as we hate movies have uh, have often mentioned these, and, and we've talked about Frank Welker a bunch of times on this show. Um, he is maybe I mean, he's legendary in uh, in voiceover actor actor um, terms. And uh, again, probably I, I don't recall any like ape stuff which was really like stand out. Like, well, that is that's classic Welker. I just uh, it, it, he, he seemed to be slumming it just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, Stan it's Winston's not going to try. Welker's not going to try. It's a paycheck. Yeah. Oof. It's so depressing because Stan Winston, like, given the time and the space, could have made some really great apes. And I think, you know, like, the actual performance of the people in the suits is so key to it. Like, the way Terry Notary uh, gets people moving in uh, in the, the, the Hobbit movies, the Hobbit movies, for all of their structural problems, you know, the, the everyone who moves, who is actually a person, is, you know, moves in the right way and really gets into character with that. And the actual, the, the, the motion capture, the performance capture type stuff is so key. And when you've got people in ape suits... They have to really believe that they're apes at that point. They have to be like flinging their own feces levels of belief. Otherwise, you don't get what really feels extraordinary on screen. It just it it feels perfunctory. It feels like oh, watch out for that ape over there. Yep, you know, they don't want to go down that road. They got their demonic apes. So then they meet the tribesmen who turned up and they're kind of cool. Then they find the white man who's completely freaking out. I believe his name is Bob. Bob Driscoll. Yes. Yes. I'm uh, sorry, who's that? Bob. Uh, that, Bob. Would, that would be Bob. <laughs> Who is this man? <laughs> and uh, then um, Tim Curry says that the immortal line, in Soviet Russia, I read a book on the lost city of Zinj, which must be sort of extrapolated from Sange, monkey in French, <laughs> surely. Uh... The lost city of monkey? Maybe? No. And that- that Monkey whole Island. sequence on the boats is so like the the sequence on the boats where he's being um, Herkima Hexposition is just so horribly ADR'd. Like I, I was watching it on Netflix, and you can hear their voices echoing off the walls of the sound booth. That's mm. that's how obvious the the ADR voiceover is. Maybe it's just because the the water was making too much noise on the day or whatever. But it it sounds really awkward, yeah. and it's just another one of those those cheap things that even when they're on the water in a locations place, the movie manages somehow to mess it up and seem cheap anyway. Curiously, it's in an alternative spelling. It is a medieval area of the East African coast. Okay. That's all I got for you. It was the lost city of Zinge in the book guys. Yes, I think so. It's definitely has to do with Solomon's minds, which is one of those, you know, lost sort of, things that shows up a lot yeah i think it's a there's an alan quartermain solomon's minds thing as well um, yes there is and there's the really good funny film or i remember it being good but yeah it's it's not I, i'm pretty sure they there's no 
no mention of, of killer killer monkeys or, or killer apes in, in Legends prior to Crichton just deciding that there needed to be killer monkeys or killer apes. Well, tell us about this actual lost city. Who actually lived there? Were they just people who had lots of diamonds and trained apes? It was apes? basically the, it was the diamond mines for King Solomon. It's where he got his wealth. Literally? King Solomon's mines? Hmm. Uh, when they mentioned that, I thought that they were just saying, oh, it's like King Solomon's Mines. They didn't realize it was literally King Solomon's Mines. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Wow. Okay. So um, then the hungry, hungry hippos turn up in the boat. <laughs> and it's just literally, it goes like this. Hippo turns up and everyone goes, Ugh! then they poke it with an oar and get away. It's like, well, that was tough, wasn't it? It is the most pointless fucking ghost train moment. Like, here's what should have happened. One guy's like poking out of one side of the boat and he's like, he's got his legs dangling in the water and like, and he's chatting away and maybe he's listening to his walkman. And then the boat rams into a hippo that was basically just minding its own business and the hippo turns around and opens its mouth wide. Guy goes right inside, gets bitten the fucking half. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, the idea being, you barged in there where you shouldn't have, and, we're, you know, th- th- there is a cost to pay, which is one of your number gets eaten by a hippo. That at least feels like an encounter. This just turns out to be more of a sort of a vague incident. And it can't be something that was cut just for, for content, because this movie is grisly for a PG-13. Mm. Like, there's there's eyes pulled out, there's, there's brains Skulls lying next in. To, Yeah, there's brains lying next to dead bodies and and just all Bruce kinds Campbell of Campbell finds a complete stuff. eyeball at the beginning. He's like, ah, it's an eye. Heads get punted across screens. Oh, yeah. That way, yeah. that way throws a human head at one point. Yeah, it's it's a gross movie. It's like, a, like everything we hate movies. It's an I got kids here moment. They had a, a Taco Bell tie-in because Taco Bell were like, we are not going to let the Jurassic Park dollars get away from us this time. We are totally having Congo cups. <laughs> And so you see, like, Taco Bell crumpled wrappers next to the computer that's auto-playing Doom when you first meet Amy. Oh, are you kidding me? That nope, feels nope. dirty. Well, well, nothing helps me play Doom like Taco Bell. I know that. Basically, Amy should have spent the whole movie going, Taco Bell, Taco Bell. <laughs> we can't get it in the jungle, Amy. Taco Bell. You are mistreating this ape. Her diet is for shit, sir. That should have been Man. a thing. And Mother, she signed Doom. Want to play Doom? <laughs> Wouldn't it have been better if, like, the the two scientists had been like almost like a a gay dad couple for this this um this ape? Like, they, they like that the, they if well, then that, but they didn't elaborate on that. They yeah. didn't work on it. Like, if one of them had been like the the irresponsible one who kept giving her Taco Bell and martinis, the other one had been the the fastidious conservative who who, who cared about her well being, but less so about her general state of comfort. Mm. Uh, you know, but more about the long term. And just <laughs> you basically just described amethyst and pearl. Yeah. Or- <laughs> Or um, like uh, Nicholas Angel and um, Danny in um, Hot Fuzz. Just like the idea of the dynamic of these two and their uh, uh, surrogate daughter. I mean, that would have been something in this film. But it, like basically Faisal, like, you know, who's the other scientist, goes wandering off when he shouldn't. And an ape completely rips his head off. Uh, like uh, I think it, it, an ape mauls him. And then he goes running in and goes, ah, and then falls down. I mentioned him before. But so that's that's where that 
relationship ends up. Mm. Nowhere. Yeah. Doesn't he say that he wants to stay outside because he doesn't like small spaces or yeah. something? But he was fine well, with the too, plane too and the helicopter. And... Yeah. I recall in the... Um, uh, watching the trailers for, for Congo and just hearing going, Help me! In the trailer, I was like, well, that's like a, a monster movie for uh, adults, and I'm probably too young to be able to see this. Um, I'd have been like 14 at that point, but I also watched it and thought, well, giant apes doesn't look all that scary, so I'm not going to go to the cinema to find out how they make these apes scary. And I think that's what a lot of people thought after the first weekend. Apparently the first weekend did really, really well. Second weekend, not so well. They, they did not make a lot of money off of this movie. Yeah. It, it was not a success. That's, uh, I think it made 150 minutes. It made three times its, its crappy budget back. But that's, that's like two bow and two strings only cost 60 million now. So 50 million is not chicken feed. Um, and they made back, you know, a, a respectable amount for a first weekend. It just didn't have any tail because everyone realized what a suck fest it was. I guess they just had other things to do back in 95. Hmm. Also, um, do you think that possibly uh, if he was available, Peter Stormare would be uh, the uh, Tim Curry role? Oh, I'd hope so. I love Peter Stormare. He's so great. It would have taken away the one thing about this film that appeals to Maureen. <laughs> you okay there? Mm-hmm. You, have you dropped into listener mode? I did. <laughs> it's quite natural. <laughs> So when they get to this, like, we've all jumped all over the place, but basically they, they go in there. Amy meets with the local apes, and she speaks in a slow and unfamiliar language loudly at them. And basically, sort of like, <laughs> what does she say at them? Like, apes, hello, apes, good apes, hello, apes. And they stare at her, then they sniff and turn away without a word. But like, as, like, basically, imagine going into, into, into Paris and saying, Hello, I am from England. Who are you? And the Parisians going, Quoi? And just wandering off. So, like most English tourists. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what Amy is. Oh, my God. They've turned her into an American tourist. Yeah. <laughs> Sausage, egg and chips. You know what, I would have laughed if subtitled in the grill it was, oh, there goes the neighbourhood. Oh, God. <laughs> Bloody foreigners coming in here. What do you mean you haven't got any martinis? Yeah. <laughs> That's the first thing she complained about when she turns up there. Um, so, yeah, anyway, then, then the uh, the apes attack because they finally reach the, the lost city and they do tie together the... Um, the drawings that uh, Amy did, the, the paintings with this jungle, with this eye... And um, uh, so they go into the Forbidden Temple, and guess what? Bad stuff happens. The apes turn up because they're guarding this place. And from how how many thousands of years have gone by since King Solomon had a mine? I mean, that's Old Testament, so lots of them, like three, four, five, lots. Okay. More than one, that's for sure. So these <laughs> apes have just been breeding and breeding and breeding down the generations. Oh, being taught how to squash humans' heads sideways? What? Um, Basically. So, yeah, any human who blunders into their home, they tear apart. But these humans have all got guns. Now, again, here is the problem. It's not aliens if, when the aliens turn up, the aliens are horrendously outmatched. That doesn't work, guys. It's well, there, there's kind of like that, that five minutes where just the guns aren't enough and then... 
Laura Lenny has to go and get the laser, which is what turns the tide, kind of. But Basically, it's we beat your primitive tactics with space-age weaponry. Oh, well done, yeah. humanity. And basically, like, it's the opposite of Predator, where it doesn't matter how many awesome guns he's got, it really takes him going back to the Stone Age to be able to beat this guy. But they yeah, didn't... this is kind of like the anti-Predator, right down to the not being very good. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it has no arc to it. There's no kind of, ah, see, this is what you had to let go of in order to succeed. There's nothing to, there's no arc, there's nothing to be learned, there's nothing to be achieved, no one does anything. Like it. The scientist lets his ape go, that's about it. Oh, Tim Curry probably should have let go of his love of diamonds, because mm. he finds them lying around on the floor, picks up a great big handful and goes, oh, well, hey, I shall be able to retire on this. And Swish. then finds himself face-to-face with an ape, and he gets pounded. And pounded. <laughs> and pounded. I was and so pounded. <laughs> And he is pounded into the dirt. And then that's it. Dead Tim Curry. And it's like, oh, God. Thanks for coming, Tim. You just flattened the only good thing about this film. No, we still had Ernie. We still had Ernie in his accent. There's a, like, slightly before this, Ernie Hudson's creeping around the place with an M16. And because he's wearing, like, beige overalls and a backpack, he looks quite Ghostbustery. Just a bit. Yeah. He does. And, um, but yeah, so the apes come out. And then Laura Linney because she's smart, goes to the abandoned lasers right next to Bruce Campbell's corpse, pops a diamond in. That's not how diamonds work. And she breaks it on a rock first. Breaks it on a rock. Pops. That's not how rocks work. <laughs> and then she just starts gunning down these apes. And that's it. They, they shoot the apes with lasers. It's the most one-sided fight ever. It's basically... Like the, the might of the British army against the uh, peaceful pygmies of the Umboto Gorge. It's terrible. Now, the apes obviously are savage and are trying to kill them, but they have no ranged abilities. They're completely exposed. There's no place to hide. And then lava turns up to completely fuck everyone's day up. Also, the fact that the apes are attacking them because they have effectively invaded their home. I mean, I'm assuming... And it. I'm assuming, by the way, because this, this at one point occurred to me. How have they taught whoever put these apes here to guard the mines? How have they managed to instill in the apes an understanding that if anybody comes and tries to take the shiny rocks, you attack them? I'm assuming it's, just, it's literally just a case of any humans coming here, you jump on them. Yes. And gorillas, because they find a lot of dead gorilla bones, too. So they, I guess they've just been killing everything that comes by. It's Except positively, each other. It's positively Except gorilla warfare. Oh. oh. I think I may have Do run you know, out of monkey puns when we did the Planet of the Apes shows, but they're all getting used again. I, I am going gonna, gonna to say this. His dad jokes have been getting worse lately. <laughs> <laughs> Good. He's been coming out with so many, and it's really uncharacteristic, and it's a bit disconcerting. Mm. It's from listening to old episodes of Digital Cowboys. Tony Atkins, what done it? He's uh, the one with all the dad jokes. Uh, yeah, good point. He talked with them prior to him being a dad. Yes. Tony has always been awesome at dad jokes. Yes. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, um, oh dear. <laughs> um, like, the scientist guy, the remaining scientist guy, what's his name? Uh, did, Max uh, Fisher? Uh, Bingo. Peter? Peter? Walsh. Bingo gets slapped to the ground by an ape, and they're about to pound him. 
and pound him. And Amy comes barging in like Mary Ellen out of A Walk in the Woods and goes, No, you get away, you big, dumb, ugly apes. You go away, you meanies. Hi. You guys camping here? No, we live here. Uh (laughs) Kristen Shaw plays Mary Ellen, who is the most annoying hiker on the entire 2,100-mile Appalachian Trail. But you're a Gemini, aren't you? Oh, I'm really good at this. I have a gift. No, I'm not a Gemini. I think you are. And the apes go, all right then, as opposed to, (laughs) what the fuck is this girl's problem? In which case they then slap her to the ground and pound her head in because that's what chimps do to each other and gorillas. They kill each other horribly that's, with rocks. That's not true. No. Ch- oh, dude, I- I've got footage of a chimp killing another chimp. It's horrible. There, a bunch of chimps, there, chimp killing. It's a drive-by some... chimping. There, there's, there is a, there, hang on. You, no, no, no. I know what you mean. There is a, a breed of chimp or a species of chimp that are quite aggressive with each other. There's a, a lot of other chimps that aren't. And I don't think gorillas are. Really. You guys have been um, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid throughout this movie. They're going, there's no such thing as aggressive apes. Yes, there is. <laughs> In real life, there totally is. Several males corner an enemy female. It's a ferocious attack, and she's lucky to escape with her life. Devoid of fantasy. Like, gorillas and apes different species. No, well, no, gorillas apes, are apes. apes, apes gorillas, and chimps, gorillas and chimps are different species. Okay. You know, they like to eat. I've heard that mainly these large apes... They're bread eaters mainly. They go for you know any kind of bread is. And yet it's strange. And yet they've developed as a race. They've developed no baking skills. N- none whatsoever. No. And yet, but they amazing. still feed on bread primarily. Not a race though. They're a genius. Well, some of them well, are smarter they're a than culture. others. You can't really. They're a culture rather than, yeah. a, than a well, genius. They're a you know. genius and a subculture. Yeah. The culture right. is ape. They're not a counterculture. <laughs> <laughs> Even if their you know basic nature would not. Of, of an ordinary gorilla. Because that's the other thing as well. These are not ordinary gorillas. Mm. They have been um, bred to be savage and tr- and trained and tortured. Um, what is it? Like Doomsday. Saruman says about the Urukai. You will taste man flesh. <laughs> no, you, they were elves. Ruin this people. Yeah, they were elves once. Oh twisted my God. They're Uruk-hai apes. But still... They are basically that. But there, yeah. there would still be dominance, um, uh, like, pecking orders, and she is a relatively immature female. There is no reason that they're just going to go, oh, okay, we'll do what she says. What? Because she can speak English? How the hell does that work? What kind of colonial crap is this? Maybe <laughs> <laughs> there is some sort of... Yes. Like maybe there's some sort of gorilla thing where you don't f with the mama ape when she's holding her baby. I mean, that's you know there there are some animals that that's basically the win button. The mom with baby, no, don't touch. But but these guys are so far away from normal gorilla behavior. Like yeah. why would that still work? Be relevant. Yeah. yeah, it would be like a hobbit going, "You don't touch this other hobbit," and then. Uh, that then the uruk go, yeah, we're totally going to touch yeah, him. We do. Maureen, you had something to say, sweetheart. I did, and I possibly I've given this more thought than I should have, but... Oh, please, please give it more thought. <laughs> this film the, needs more the, thought. The hieroglyphics that they translated, oh, yeah. how, I don't know. Um, <laughs> they're The teachers were the ones watching the apes. My mm. thought was, when I saw that scene... Something about Amy and the fact that she was a gorilla that spoke like a human mm-hmm. probably triggered something to them thinking it was 
like their old masters. Is that was that encoded is, in their DNA from their ancestors? Possibly, possibly. Wow, I mean, it's science. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, because if somebody tried to explain that in the film, I would say, "Eat shit!" This movie. <laughs> <laughs> But when you say it like that, it's like, well, the fact that they didn't try to claim it, maybe that sort of does make kind of a sense. Because as soon as they start saying it, it must be bullshit. Mm. But maybe that's because <laughs> the script of this film says things like, is, is that a video game? It's a, it's a gadget. It will um, track it's our it position. It has features. <laughs> it has features? What? So that's the level of scientific explanation we're getting from this movie. If they started coming out with something as complex as what Maureen just said, it'd be like, no. <laughs> you know I, what it is? You know what it is? Go on. It's Medichlorians. Ah! <laughs> I actually, like, again, you could have, so- they could have sold this scene if that ape had basically been able to trounce one of the bad apes and then stood on his corpse and just shouted at the other apes like, No! But then again, it would have been a better movie. It would have been Planet of the Apes. Morin, you still haven't seen Rise of the Planet of the Apes yet, have you? No. i got to buy that for you. Such okay. a good movie. No joking, he will do it. I totally I know do. It. And I Neil, know. I, I've got to buy you stuff as well, because there's, there's other things to, for you to see. And I need to get Hardware Wars as well, apparently. <laughs> oh, no, sorry, Hardware. Hardware Wars is like a Star Wars parody, isn't it? Just Hardware. Can I ask a question of the group, though? Please. Um, has anyone seen... The live-action Jungle Book movie that came out in 1994. Jason Scott Lee. Yes. With Carrie Elwes? Oh, yeah. yeah. I haven't seen it for a long time, but I do remember seeing it. Was it Le- movie, Lena Headey was, was um, the, the yes. lady in that. Wow. John this Cleese movie had a lot of similarities. There were a lot of similarities. Even some of the shots were mm. very similar. Mm-hmm. And Carrie Elwes' character is Tim Curry's character kind of the same thing happens could they have swapped like it, the it, actors and it would have been about the same right yeah it's so slightly it was very better carry on Maury. well I, oh, I was just saying that Jungle Book is slightly better than Congo it is but it came out first so I wonder if there was some little bit of like let's copy some of what they did because it worked I mean, it was, it was a little close of, of release date, so I don't know if they would have had time necessarily. But the fact that so many of the shots were very similar and, like, the little mewling buddy of the guy ends up getting killed and he's, you know, screaming and, ah, and he runs off. And then, you know, there was a lot of similarities that... There's half a year difference that means that basically if they've been able to see like a rough cut of the uh, Disney Jungle Book, which considering uh, Frank Marshall (coughs) was like a a heavy hitter in Hollywood, that's possible actually, Maureen. That has even more weight than your maybe they were taught. (laughs) Okay. You know, I want to see that version anyway to compare it to the new version of the Jungle Book. Have you seen that one yet, Maureen? No, not oh, yet. you've not seen anything. I forget. But we, we'll, we'll remedy that. We will. We'll get you stuff. Uh-huh. The, the 90s Jungle Book almost feels more like a Tarzan than a Jungle Book movie. It does. Yeah. Yeah. It absolutely does. But yeah. it's... I love it. That's one of my... That's one of my favorite movies. Does John Cleese play an ape in it? Nope. No. Please, please. John Cleese. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that was a missed opportunity. Can I help you? Just like a John Cleese ape. It makes me think of the George of the Jungle movie with um, Brendan Fraser. Mm-hmm. Was there a John Cleese ape in that? Kind of. 
Who was he played by? <laughs> I don't think it was John Cleese, but it was somebody with an accent. Brian Blessed. John Cleese plays an ape who's just trying to run a guest house in the jungle and everybody keeps interfering. (laughs) Okay. Um, Right. Uh, George of the Jungle stars Brenda Fraser. Leslie Mann's in that. Uh, Richard Roundtree's in that. Thomas Hayden Church, Holland Taylor, John Perry. John Cleese is in it. Yeah, John Cleese. Oh, that's weird. So Cleese... (laughs) So Cleese plays an ape, a well-educated talking gorilla. Oh, what's your Cleese? Okay. Oh, that's I just dreamed up something that actually happened in a film I've never seen. I now have to see George of the Jungle. Do you know why I don't and never have watched George of the Jungle? Because I don't yeah. find the idea of a Tarzan that fl- flies to the jungle and then goes boying into a tree funny. I There is not a single time in my life when I would have found that funny. And that appeared to be the central premise of George of the Jungle before all the shenanigans yep. happened that sent him. Does he go to, like, New York or something? Yep. Um, yes. Does he slam into a billboard or something? Or is that Spider-Man? Uh, probably. <laughs> okay, well, either way, for the sight of George, <laughs> George Cleese as a joke, as a joke, I, I'm starting to get delirious here with all the monkey stuff. For the sight of Jean Cleese as an ape, I will watch George of the Jungle. It's real bad. I'm not going to lie. It's really bad. But, I mean, I also want to see the Jungle Book, but that's hard to find and hard to get hold of on DVD. Um, it is. Because they don't want you to see it anymore. So that's the thing about Disney. When they don't want you to see it anymore, it goes. And uh, another film which you keep mentioning, Neil, The Ghost in the Darkness... Um, I'm going to have to rent that from Amazon because the DVD is always Yeah, apparently that's pricey. really freaking hard to get. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, I, I, I love that film. Victorian hunters beset by lions. Based, based on a true story. Really? Yeah. I can't do the air quotes. But yes. the air quotes. It's, it's supposedly, it's one of those things where there, there were two lions that ate some people, but, I mean, I don't know, I'm pretty sure Bernard Hill and Val Kilmer weren't actually involved. Was it? Was there a ghost lion? No, it's it's. They it's kind of named them that because the ghost in the darkness. I guess they, their coloring is slightly different. One is slightly paler. One is slightly darker. It, I, I'm yeah. not sure. It is. I really like that film. I, I admitted to Alex, I have a blind spot when it comes to it, but it's very enjoyable because Val Kilmer, you know. Is actually acting in it for a start. Wow, yeah. Val, Val Kilmer actually <laughs> acting. Those four words don't seem to normally go together, but I'll, I'll watch that. And it's also before he hit his bloated, puffy stage. Yeah. Oh, he had too many biscuits. Um, Moin, have you seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? No. Oh, man. That is Val Kilmer being ace. Even when he'd already entered into his puffy stage, he's awesome in that. Mm. But then so uh, is that- Robert Downey Jr., who you have a soft spot for. I do. And that was actually on the list as well. And that was my second choice. Mm. Okay. Oh, <laughs> now we're going to do that anyway. Cause we're going to, we're going to do the nice guys, but we should also do kiss, kiss, bang, bang like in conjunction with that. Yeah. No, we would never ask people to pay for kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unless they're buying the DVD or Blu-ray. Uh, phrasing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, so never say never, you know, uh- <laughs> After Laura Linney shoots up the apes like the end of Moonraker with their laser guns, Lava turns up to go, oh, for fuck's sake, and just uh, literally usher them out of the film. It ushers the actors off the studio set and into what appears to be a real jungle or a real Burbank hillside. (laughs) And the stupid apes jump into the lava. 
They're just going, ah, ah, hot stuff. I'm just going to jump in. It's it's amazing. Like, because they're, well, they're they natural. The they know when the movie's over. Yeah, so they're like, oh, well, this is bullshit. <laughs> I mean, they're like, ring in no, and they're clanging after it. Nice. <laughs> what it is, is the go, the bell's ringing 10 minutes and then Anaconda's moving in to shoot. Gotta go. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. Anaconda. This was not a great <laughs> decade for creature features. They couldn't get creatures right. You know? We saw. Couldn't uh, even get the feature part right. We saw the relic the other day. Neil, you must have seen. Like, have, have anyone in this group seen it? You didn't like it. I like it. Oh, you I like, like it? it a lot. Yeah, I, I haven't like seen it, well. it in a while, but I very much in, enjoyed yeah. that because is is it Tom Sizemore? It is Tom. Tom Sizemore's quite good in it, especially because he's got he's um, superstitious in that. So that yeah. plays quite an angle. His character like not wanting to step over dead bodies and stuff. Yeah, he's, he's got like a character quirk which makes him something more of a character. He's uh, he carries around the bullet that nearly shot him and should have shot him, but. Uh, See, yeah. he doesn't get it. It's not the bullet with your name on that you have to worry about. Mm. It's the one that says, to whom it may concern. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that, yeah, okay, right. So the end of the movie, possibly just, um, like, L- Laura Linney and, and uh, company just on the hillside, and they call back Joe Don Baker, and she, and she goes, hey, Joe Don Baker, we found your son, he's fucking dead. And... Joe Don Baker goes, did you get the diamond? Did you? Did you get the diamond? And his overreaction, it just re- immediately brings you back to the beginning of the movie where he went mental with a golf club. And like, this is so like tonally inappropriate that he's screaming at them through Skype. Like this, this tech, by the way, that's been sitting in the jungle for weeks now should <laughs> not be working. The apes will have bitten it to pieces, but it's working fine. And then, you know, she goes, oh, yeah, I got your diamond right here. And she puts it in the laser, points the laser at the sky, and shoots down his goddamn umbrella satellite. And he's like, no! And that scuppers his plan to do what? Um, some questions. Some money, money business. Regarding that, it, that right. what he was doing. Okay. She Phase gets, three is profit. She gets this laser, okay, hitherto which has only been used... To set the jungle on fire and shoot weird apes. And then she blows weird a satellite. Weird ape Yankovic. Yes. And then she blows a, a, a satellite out of the sky with it. Right. How did it just so happen that the satellite, which is in orbit, yeah. was precisely over where she's standing? That satellite could have been fucking anywhere. And frankly, should have been on the other side of the world by now if it was over there when... Um, it rotated it back Charlie around. Charlie was doing his, his Skype call at the beginning. Mm-hmm. How, A, how is it precisely over her head? B, how is there nothing between her and the satellite? She doesn't hit a bird or a plane. Or Superman. Or a weather balloon or anything. <laughs> that seems really unlikely. Speaking of balloons, at this while they're doing this, and after Joe Don Baker goes crazy after she, like again, after she blows up his precious satellite... Ernie Hudson uh, says, oh, there's a hot air balloon in, the, in this crashed aeroplane. And within minutes has set up this incredibly large, elaborate looking professional, not like an emergency hot air, like a professional hot air balloon with this great big cradle underneath. And a, an incredible amount of what must, I don't know what powers hot air balloons. I'm going to say hydrogen gas from no, where? Donald Trump. Hot, no. Donald hot Trump. air, Alex. Nice. <laughs> So, I mean, so, so is it just hot air? There's no, there's no gas in hot air balloons. So there's the gas yes, that you're using to create the flame. That's yeah. Okay. So yeah. So he, but that would take ages. Mm. It does. 
hours. It actually does. It would be a like a half, like twelve. It takes up four hours to fill a fucking kiddie's play pool with a hose. In fact, there you go. That's the bit of the film that we didn't see while Ernie Hudson's waiting <laughs> for the hot air around. balloon. Meantime, all those grapes Laura should be... Re- looking up at the sky, waiting for the satellite to come overhead so she can shoot it. And in the meantime, Joe Don Baker's shouting himself hoarse on the other end of the line <laughs> going, did you get my diamonds? i got to wait. Also, there's that one point. There's that one point where Laura Liddy, like... Like... Like, there's an ape bearing down on them. And then Sidus goes, you can't kill that ape. And she, like, blasts it in the chest and goes, put it on the endangered species list. And <laughs> just, like, bots in uh, uh, Itchy and Scratchy Land going, with a dry cool wit like that, I could be an action hero. She, like, she practically does a little, like, George Burns get, uh, George Burns cigar, nah, afterwards. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, but, like, uh, amazingly, it doesn't look like she's having any fun. No. You know how Kurt Russell clearly is having the time of his life in Big Trouble in Little China? No one had the time of their life when making this film. Even Tim Curry. Mm. Okay, does anyone he got actually pounded. Does anyone actually want to know how long it takes to inflate a hot air balloon? Go, Go on, for yes. it. 15 minutes, apparently. Ooh. Oh, wow. I looked it up on, on uh, early 90s Wikipedia, said Ernie Hudson. <laughs> using Encarta on his iPad the size of a, a, a bus. <laughs> don't, don't discount the powers of Ernie Hudson. I mean, you need gorilla shot, you need, you know, people got through the jungle, you need hot air balloons set up really quick. Who are you going to call? Good point. <laughs> also, like when the apes are bearing oh, down on them, um, Laura Linney should have said, look, watch out for the gorillas in there, and then fired a laser, and then the gorilla goes straight past her, and she goes, missed. <laughs> <laughs> but this is all under the proviso that it's a comedy and, and it's, it's not, not. <laughs> <sighs> I think our, our comedy film sounds much better yeah I mean <laughs> it also sounds like a mess but kind of like a, a, a an exuberant mess that people would enjoy watching rather than be it's angry one of those com- watching it's one of those comedies where we just throw everything at the wall and just see what sticks also uh, here's the thing um what one copy of Congo on Blu-ray, please? Said no one ever except us. I bought it on Blu-ray one minute before I found out that it was on Netflix. Whoops! Oh. Rule there. Check Netflix. Immediately first. got on the uh, on the dog and bone to, or the, the the email to the people I just bought it from in America. Please, please don't send me Congo. I bought it in error, and they just. Like they they didn't even reply and they've already posted me good feedback so it's like now nah, I'm I'm getting Congo through, Oy, must I? And so we, weeks after this episode comes out, Congo's going to trundle into my in <laughs> through my door. You even think about that sending that to me, I will kill you. Oh, Neil, <laughs> guess what you're getting for Christmas and birthday? <laughs> and it turns out Neil is in luck because they actually didn't send it to me and they just refunded me so thank you very much to those guys anyway I mean uh, you know what I, I think it's probably worth owning on a ropey old DVD but not on Blu-ray like if you've just got just to see how ma- bad the special effects are yeah if you've got a massive collection <laughs> uh, you know it might give you a chuckle especially in conjunction with this show or just watch it with this as a commentary mm. I think we've run longer than the film, haven't we? True, we often do that. Officially, there'll be very rare occasions when we have synergy. Yeah, it's like an hour and thirty-four, isn't it? It it feels like I think there's a lot of chunks missing. They they probably knew they had a turkey on their hands and chopped a lot out of it, which is why so many things feel jerky and 
kind of thrown in and thrown away. Mm. It does feel like it was kind of a cash grab. It's like, oh, Crichton's hot. Crichton's stuff's hot. Let's, let's you know, let's cash pound it. Let's pound it. Pound it. <laughs> it's apparently an, it's an hour and I love you. 49 I that minutes. That's a freaking joke. <laughs> I, I love that joke. <laughs> um, it's, it's an hour and 49 minutes so it probably actually feels short because like after you've sat through the excruciating amount of stuff the third act is so brief that it feels like oh well, that was quite a short movie no 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 it was a long movie they just took so long to get round to doing anything it's way too much Joe Don Baker going I changed the code where's my diamond I'm trying to actually think is this the worst adaptation of Michael Crichton uh, what's it up against is it was was uh, Timeline's one of them. Yeah, that's a bad movie. And doesn't that have, have Paul Walker in? Yep, and uh, um, Gerard Butler, son of Billy Connolly. But that at least has um, sneering Michael Shannon, oh, sorry, Michael Sheen, as um, uh, Tony Blair-style villain. And it has the Night Arrows. What else is it? <laughs> Westworld? <laughs> Westworld Sphere... Uh, Sphere, I've heard, is really bad. Sphere's not good, no. We've got, okay, we full list. Andromeda Strain. Rising Sun, saw that the other week. That's rubbish. Uh, we've got... Disclosure, the Lost World. 13th Warrior. There was going to be a, a, an adaptation of Airframe, but it never happened. That's probably for the best. Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, did he write Next. I think that was Philip K. Dick. No, there's a novel he wrote in 2006, a techno oh, a different thriller one. by Michael Crichton called Next, but I don't think it's the same one as the one that was adapted into the movie. He's not, no. he's not listed this one no. for that. No. So, yeah, basically, I, I'm going to put Congo at the bottom because at least Rising Sun has... Sean Connery has some dignity in that film. Ti- I mean, Timeline's bad. And that's by Richard Donner. Yeah. It's this versus Timeline, really. Anyone, anyone want to... Oh, Sphere's pretty bad, though. Yeah, well, see, we Hate Movies rate Sphere. I think that's, that's quite good, so I it's might need more, to watch it again. 13th Warriors, John McTiernan, and that's... Isn't oh, that Antonio Banderas? It isn't. That... That... Oh, that movie. You know what? That movie's worse than Congo. Okay, then. I went to see The 13th Warrior when I should have been seeing The Iron Giant in the cinema. <laughs> I later managed to see the Iron Giant in the cinema, so it wasn't lost. But uh, I was really excited because I was I, I was big on Antonio Banderas in '99, and um, John McTiernan left the film halfway through production and the, was replaced by a different director. Anybody know that director? Crichton. Michael Crichton. Wow. That's, uh, that's yeah. They they apparently butted heads a lot on that movie. Yeah. But that, that's the weird, like a weird thing. Like if if they butted heads, then it would be because, because like Michael Crichton now sick to the back teeth of people twisting his books into something that it's not. Should have been able to say no. This is actually what the Thirteenth Warrior is about. But it's a really straightforward, boring movie. It's it's very much Seven Samurai by way of Beowulf. It's not very complex. Yeah. And by the way, Seven Samurai and Beowulf better movies. Oh. Or the Western adaptation of Seven Samurai. Yeah, Magnificent Seven. Remake, apparently pretty good. Yes, well, it does have... The man who apparently has sweat that can get you pregnant. Denzel Washington? Also, yeah, you've got Denzel too, so... Yeah. Okay. And, oh, 
D'Onofrio's in that as well, isn't he? Again, Chris Pat and D'Onofrio teaming up. Oh God, yeah, maybe they're buddies. Anyway, um, so like our summation of of Congo, we hope you've enjoyed our ranting about it as as chaotic and random though. Like we leapt about in it like an ape. Um, but uh, but yeah, would you guys recommend seeing Congo? Uh, no, I like B movies, and I got bored. It See, is bored. I would if you're in a certain mood. It's I mean, it's not gonna cost you like two and a half hours, like Dawn of Justice. The the music is kind of fun, and I think it's kind of worth it just to see how loopy and off the rails it gets once gorillas start getting shot with lasers. So, I mean, since it's on Netflix, you know, it's not going to cost you anything if you've got Netflix, and you can always just skip to the part where, you know, gorillas get shot with lasers, and Tim Curry's running around with a weird accent. Mm-hmm. It's It's really weird. Um, I think it, it might be worth watching as a curiosity because it is so unlike anything that we get at all nowadays. Like you, you don't see movies that are this nasty that are PG thirteen mm. or this crazy that are adaptations of known properties. Really. Or this cheap and naff looking either. I mean, like they, they they often put a lot of money into what looks like production values and everything shrouded in shadows. But at least they're they're well. I say they're well lit. They're they're poorly lit in a different way. Mm. In the nineties, they were too brightly lit. Now they're now too they're not darkly lit. At lit. All. <laughs> I think it's it's probably worth um, it's worth a Netflix watch for Ernie Hudson, if nothing else. I think. Oh yeah, he is mm-hmm. great. It's yeah, I'd say it's worth watching on Netflix and uh, watch it all the way through to the end because the end bit really is where the money's at. Mm. Like it's not the worst accent I've heard Ernie Hudson do. So what's the worst? Shark attack. Was I he the shark? He was in that, and I, I've got a vague memory, and someone may correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he was doing this really weird African accent, and it was just, you know. Oh. <laughs> okay, um, at Maureen, was this... Was the, are you adequately satisfied? <laughs> yes, I am. Good, good. And Is we there hope- anything else that you would like to say about the movie that you haven't had the opportunity to do so yeah i mean like you you this was a fresh first start for you like so like you 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 had this commissioned and we'd seen it and made our summations before you even got to see it so what was it like for you i actually enjoyed it i i do think it was i enjoyed it for the ridiculousness of it and the special effects are shit but (laughs) i mean like that ape costume in trading places worn by jim belushi is about that level yeah it was real bad but um there there was things that kind of intrigued me and like called back to other movies or other ideas um scientific stuff that i've actually researched myself so such as tell us this stuff what's that well, there there is a school of thought of people that have been teaching gorillas and other uh, simians to use sign language, and that's a legitimate thing. Um, and you know, it's it's very interesting. And the whole idea of breeding something for a specific purpose, like they were doing with the troll urukai apes, um, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> is is something that I'm familiar with. So I was actually. Weirdly enough, uh, intrigued by some of the quote-unquote science in the movie, even though it was not scientifically accurate, because it touched on different things that are scientifically accurate. So. All right. (laughs) (laughs) 
and I, midichlorians. I'm glad I mean... you enjoyed it. <laughs> Stop swearing at us. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it, and I can't wait for you to see Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which has ape sign language and was one of the major inspirations behind Tiger's Eye, which, of course, you made such a huge, significant uh, um, impact on. Yeah, I'm a little familiar with that work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, if you haven't already got Rise, we'll, we'll remedy that. Because that's that's a must see. I mean, if you if, if you want to see folks apes, you know, in communication with humans and then warring with humans, that's the one to see. <laughs> These weren't really apes. These were just, I, they, they, they ape, were weird. Ape men. <laughs> it was weird. Non-committed ape men. <laughs> anyway, okay. So, thank you very much to our wonderful guests. Uh, and where can we find you? Uh, start with Neil. Oh, you can find me over on youtube.com forward slash the kid dog where I produce my short history of either on video games, uh, video game hardware, or uh, on companies. Brendan? Uh, you can find me doing the film arm of the Day One podcast, which you can find on SoundCloud, um, or you can check out the forums at dayonepatch.com. And Maureen, if you want to give up your Twitter handle, then that's probably uh, a good way for people to keep in <laughs> communication with you. She says funny things can... and inspirational things as well. <laughs> I believe it's at Morwena-F on Twitter, and I am also in New Century, where's, where you can find me. Oh, yeah. If you like uh, Maureen's voice, you want to listen to the New Century as well. <laughs> um, let's, let's have a little clip from Tiger's Eye about communicating via sign language. I think that's how we're going to finish it. We'll do that, and then we'll play us out afterwards with a piece of music that I just like. As soon as the balloon started flying away, I was like, "Oh, so that's it then? End credits? Okay, that's fine." I immediately like went jumped onto YouTube and then threw onto the Bluetooth of a uh, uh, soundbar, "Africa" by Toto. <laughs> it queued up so perfectly that the second verse cut in when it went to the black credits. It was perfect. Well done. I'd have gone for Monkey Business by Skid Row myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Monkey Madness, the uh, theme tune to Monkey. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, a- anything. Anything will do, but we're going to end on Africa because I love that song. Okay, uh, so uh, next week, we're, oh my God. <laughs> next week, our next commission show, aka What Are You Doing to Us People, uh, we're back, colon, a dinosaur story in a double bill. With Jumanji. <laughs> oh, God. This is how interesting we're back is. I don't even want to be on that show. Apparently, brain-controlling cereal? Question mark? I can't wait. Okay, so uh, thank you very much to uh, Maureen and Nick, a.k.a. N. Scott G, for sponsoring <laughs> this show. Okay, so uh, this next bit is from Tiger's Eye. Well, that looked impressive, but I didn't hear a word of it. I'm deaf. Oh. You can put your spears away. I don't know your name, so I'm going to call you Mrs. Pointy. So... How do we... But I'm pretty good at working things out by looking at them. I'm guessing you're here about the little one on your back. Put your thumb upwards if I'm right, and down if I'm wrong. Well, thumbs up, but... Put him on the floor, Mrs. Pointy. Let me take a seat and get a look at him. Thank you. If you're saying thank you, you should touch your jaw with these two pads. Then point them at me like this. There. Thank you for being so courteous. All right, let's see this thing. Come on, cub. 
Don't be shy. Doesn't speak our language, huh? No, Cub, I cannot hear you. See? She closes her eyes and pats her ears, and then shakes her head and opens her eyes again. He nods and comprehends. Do you know what he is? Um, I gesture to Miguel, then point at the silent one and tilt my head left. What is he? Thumbs up. Here, Cub, you play with these daggers. I have never seen one like him. Seems smart, though. Did you try asking him? I shake my head, then tap my mouth. You don't speak his language, I know. So? I sigh. She's absolutely right. There were many other ways I could have asked besides speech. Then I find a good excuse. I point to Miguel, mime vomiting and then sleeping. He's been sick, then. Where did you find him? I think for a moment and then wave my paw in front of my face, pad down, undulating gracefully up and down and from the right to the left. In water? I nod. Miguel has been watching this. He squeaks at us both and then marches over to a puddle within a broken part of the stonework. He crouches and then splashes his fingers in the water. Then locking eyes with me, he imitates my undulating paw movement with his own. I allow myself a tiny gasp and the two of us nod back at him. His face creases again. That can only mean he's happy. He's a fast learner. Nothing 
can I just be like a total fangirl and say, hi, Neil? (laughs) (laughs) I heard you on so many of Alex's podcasts and your own podcast, and it's really cool. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you you sent me the... um... What was it the best uh, gif ever when I did the Facebook thingy? You did the the Zootopia one back. He's like, yes, I want that. I can't save it. Why can I not save it? It is awesome. <laughs> oh, I so lost what? all my. Soul. Sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh. 